Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Friday, October 27th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. Now, I've been saying this kind of pretty much every show we've been covering on this topic recently, but today in particular is a very important show. I really, actually a few very powerful articles, well-sourced, have found a lot of evidence as we've been building, discussing the concert, the different questions that the Israeli population have about what actually went down, evidence that suggests that Israeli forces killed their own people on the 7th. That doesn't mean that everything that happened was the fault of Israeli IDF members or other people involved. Clearly, there's evidence that suggests that Hamas was responsible for many different things. But what we have to understand is that if this is the case, which the evidence does seem to suggest, it throws into question everything we're being told. It doesn't mean dismiss everything we're being told. It means question everything we're being told, which we already should have been doing. But this evidence adds not just to the story of October 7th, but many different things that we can now prove that Israel's lied about, which again should throw into question the validity of many of the statements. Of course, the, in particular, the ones that can't be proven at the moment. And we the, the same kind of things we saw during the Ukraine-Russia conflict, which interestingly enough is a point on that today to start or somewhere to start today. But we have a hell of a lot to cover today. One, because unfortunately I had a show planned out to the T yesterday and ended up having, like most of the day, in fact, I've been struggling with migraines, which I've had my whole life, but the last couple of weeks have just been on and off, but blinding yesterday to the point to where I sit, I literally sat here for like an hour just going, please, because it's it's probably more frustrating for me than the actual headache than to have everything ready and then not be able to do it. So it's going to be sort of a combination as it often is of more than one day, but in particular yesterday into today and kind of the follow-up from the last show we did. And we're going to start, usually I try to get into kind of like the development and layer the information to get into the major points. Today, we're going to start with a a bunch of rapid fire things around the medical freedom conversation that I want to make sure we didn't miss, but then get into right out of the gate, the most important topics, the articles, the research around this allegation, the evolution of the current ground invasion topics and then kind of go through the rest of the information with the show so those of you that don't want to wait for a couple hours to get to the most important part we're going to start with that right out of the gate today but i I will get into some covid stuff and some medical freedom stuff that i really hope people aren't are are not missing the who treaty these are conversations that are wildly important and the only reason i would i don't feel i need to do an immediate focus on it in this moment is because i think we've done a lot of really powerful coverage on that to date There's a lot of developments happening, though. Personally, I just feel that I want to stay focused on this topic as my focus because of how important this is, not just on a the kind of evolution of the government control of our lives, but just the fact that we for me, it's always, as you guys know, so very important when it comes to just the loss of human life, the suffering of humans just average people that just want to live their lives independent of all the government Game of Thrones vying for power. And so it's important to me that we continue not only to show that this is happening and to show where the fault lies in regard to, in particular, with what's happening in Gaza, but do what we can in the moment right now to stop one more life from being taken. And of course, you know, we will get back to these larger topics, hopefully once this, you know, at the very least, we see a ceasefire and not because people were displaced under the guise that that was the best solution. 
in a situation that was created by the people that ultimately want them to be removed to begin with. So right now, that's one of the issues I have. You're seeing a lot of people that would otherwise, people that are on the similar side that want to see the right thing done that are now calling for them to be moved to save their lives, which ultimately then gives the Israeli government what they want. And maybe that's why it's happening to begin with. And it's very, very frustrating. These people do not want to be displaced yet again losing their homes and their possessions and then treated like illegals like we're seeing right now in the conversation of the United States because it's also it's things just like this that later end up being forgotten about like all of the different wars and and manipulation of South America over the different decades of you know since the beginning but also just in the Middle East and everywhere else and then these refugees end up becoming a problem for certain people that don't want to address that it was belligerent foreign policy that by and large caused the problem to begin with but not for today so I want to start with a, a couple important. Uh, oh, actually, first, I forgot I wanted to I'll make sure I give a shout out to Shelby uh, from Unjected. She's been you guys know her from a lot of different things, COVID discussions and so on. But her and I had a couple of really important interviews in regard to Lahaina. And I plan on doing a follow up with her very soon. Actually, we just talked about that to kind of reset, make sure people see what's currently going on in Lahaina. Another major topic that is clearly not focused on. And again, it's not because people. It's not that people can only focus on one topic, but it's difficult to apply that evenly. And I think we all notice that. But she recently came out with a very important book entitled Burn Back Better. Lahaina, A Perfect Storm or a Perfect Crime? Now, this is her book that's on Amazon at the moment, and I'll share the link for you guys to check out. You know, support them. They're doing good work over there. And they, you know, ultimately what I care more about than anything is that she has a good heart. She cares about people. So check it out. And we will be connecting with that soon. Now, rap, and, and I mean this, I'm really going to try to do rapid fire on a lot of this stuff today because I want to get to the crux or the, the meat of it. And right, quite frankly, there's a lot to get into. You're going to laugh as you see how we go through the tabs today. So starting off, National Post, Quebec College of Physicians. Some of this first part is a little bit not necessarily all connected, but just stuff I want you to see. Quebec College of Physicians slammed for suggesting the MAID program for severely ill newborns. Now, even worse than that, there's there's people that are floating the idea made essentially assisted suicide in the UK. And what they're saying is not just ill newborns. There's been discussions of trying to apply this just for depressed or, you know, basically situations that can only be decided by the parents. An infant or a child can't understand the need for something like this. And the fact that they're even discussing stuff like this. It just it's unnerving and it really does begin to show you that the whole conversation the do not resuscitate orders that were given to people with dyslexia in the UK. There was much more going on around this than was about your safety, your best interest, much more about the interests of the state. And that really is makes your skin crawl when you realize what they're really talking about here. It's, it's eugenics, guys, right on its surface. Now, Kim.com also points out something in regard to Pfizer. The secret vaccine purchase agreement that South Africa signed with Pfizer has been released. Supposed on the 24th, but I'm pretty sure we already covered this, not just from South Africa, but other places. But nonetheless, I thought it was, since it's being pointed at, maybe you missed the first time we talked about the contracts and showed what they were really discussing. One of the important parts that we showed you then as well, under the purchaser acknowledgement, it makes it very clear. They acknowledge they do the long-term effects and efficacy of the vaccine are not currently known and that there may be adverse effects of the vaccine that are not currently known. The point is we all know that now and they still pretend like that's not really the case. But what's crazy to me is that they lied about this in the beginning when we kept showing you the document that said we don't know the long term long term effects. 
We got lied to repeatedly ad nauseum by the people that swear they're following the science. That's the important part. And they went so far as to make sure that they kept these contracts secret and put it in the contracts so they were removed from liability, which seems to be the go-to for pharmaceutical companies. Tom Renz puts out an important notice in regard to this uh, Slay News point, but he's basically telling you this is one of the most important health freedom developments that ultimately he says we, we're being, uh, we are rejecting mRNA platforms, vaccines, everything we're pushing back, but now they're trying to push harder, essentially the point. And here's what's still going forward. MasterCard's new digital ID allows governments to track public vaccination status. But we already knew this. We talked about the wellness company and MasterCard right in the beginning of COVID, already discussing the overlap of your vaccine passport, which they pretend has gone away. Just went quiet until the next need for this conversation comes back up as we get distracted with every other story. Not to me, those stories are unimportant. Steve Kirch points out something. I just, this is, this is the kind of alarming reality we're stepping into. And one, another point about this, actually, which I probably should have put these. Actually, here, let's just do this. <laughs> I just threw these together. This should go right there, actually. You'll see what I mean in a second. Oh, and this too. <laughs> so another point I think is hilarious. Oh, no, that was that. That is supposed to go there. Eric Fengelding points out, next time I see my doctor, I really want to get my lymphocyte blood panel tested. Huh, that's an interesting statement immunodeficiency and CD4 cells. You've heard all these things before, haven't you? Is something we all really want to avoid. You sure do. Could likely explain with high rates of other infections after COVID infection. Of course they go that route. Oh, and long patients, long COVID patients too. They're still knocking down that false story, even though it's been utterly, completely blown apart, even by science.org. I mean, like mainstream platforms have covered this. At best, it's something we're guessing at. At worst, it's completely not associated with anything other than the injection and psychosomatic effects, which is why I keep this tweet here, which only focuses on the two different, or more than two, but in this case, two peer-reviewed studies that find that it's largely psychosomatic or more importantly associated with things that are not COVID-19. But then it's this, I think, is the smaller factor and then just vaccine side effects. Psychosomatic vaccines. This has been proven by COVID, like, like the body of evidence, guys. My point is showing you this is one that they're now acknowledging the things that the vaccine are causing, but still trying to lump this on something that we're not even talking about anymore. It's always COVID stuff. Are people still getting sick? Are we talking about infections? We're watching the long-term effects that will continue to build of the dangerous injection gene therapy experiment they gave people that is going to continue to ruin lives. They'll probably find some new excuse to blame it on as soon as we get further away from it. But this is why I wanted to show you this to reiterate something that one of the most prescient people in this entire conversation said right in the beginning. All gene-based vaccines, independent of manufacturers, produce the same result in the vaccinees. He has looked at 15. In the last four days, the number has been increased to 70 individuals who died after vaccination. These were people who died at home, at work, in the car, doing their sports, etc., etc., etc. There's no question now anymore about what is going on. And the answer is, in the organs of these people, in 90%, he found clear evidence for autoimmune self-attack by killer lymphocytes on the tissues. 
Well, what do you know? 90%. And here is Eric Fangelding trying to tell you that this is absolute, this is COVID-19. 90% of people with the injection who later died were found with killer lymphocytes. And yet here he is lying to you or that bad at his job. Probably both. I just, I'm not going to be, and there's no way we should, you know, pull punches with people in this position anymore. This is staggering that they're still trying to push this forward. They're going to go down in history with this, guys. They're on the wrong side of history. But think about how gross that is. And we're seeing it. Now it's all long COVID. Unbelievable. Now, uh, this is also a a clip I'm not going to play, but with Drew and uh, Megan here. And what I think is just crazy about this. Again, let's not forget. And I, I think it's important to point out. Even if he did eventually see it and change his mind and is on the right path, or late into this conversation, he was saying vaccines are healthy, COVID injections are good, that you should wear your mask. I mean, the, towing the line. So my point is only this when I talk about someone like him, because Dr. Drew has been, he's been really beating this down. He's been talking to people and really exposing stuff or, you know, however you want to look at that. My point, though, is that how could he have not seen it that long if he sees it now? Either that suggests that he is swayed by people in con- positions of authority, which we should reflect on as we watch their work going forward, or he didn't, decided not to until a certain point in time. I just think that's interesting. What he says here, it took my breath away. Dr. Drew on the new study that shows 50%, 50% of people who got myocarditis after the vaccine, you know, the ones they told you was super mild and went away and everyone's fine, now have permanent heart damage and he doesn't understand why this is in front page news. Well, see, he doesn't understand. <laughs> I, we, I mean, I, I say stuff like that sometimes, too. We all know what's going on. But think about that, guys. And this, this is my point, though. This could be a front page story. We could cover this as the show title right now. But we already talked about this. We were talking about this in 2021. We talked about it all through 2022. We talked about it at the beginning of 2023. My point is this is it's, it's important. But this is what we tried to show you with the NAIH study that showed you that 26 to 55 percent of people that get even mild myocarditis Increase their, their 50, 20, 26 to 55% increase in mortality over the next 10 years for people, even with mild myocarditis. There we are, yet again, demonstrating our value of how far ahead we are, the thing that they're breaking to you now. That's important, not because we guessed or because we were, because we did our research and it was always there. That's why we lost our YouTube channel. Still don't have it back because we said myocarditis was possible. 50%. This is going to destroy the population, guys. I mean, as we go forward, as many of us told you. Now, the the WHO treaty is probably going to ensure that we have no mechanism to fight back if we let this all happen. As Neil Oliver points out, pay attention, everyone. This is definitely not a drill. The WHO is poison. And I I should uh, make sure that we also include our recent interview with David Martin. That was an important one. It kind of lost a lot of momentum because it was right on uh, coming up against what we're dealing with today. But man, this was powerful. And the information he lays out here is, is, I mean, like from a legal perspective, documented information is powerful. The point is, WHO is what we should be getting rid of. Your government and the so-called opposition are in thrall. It's a soft coup. Act accordingly. And he's commenting on what Brett Weinstein says. The public tracks one catastrophe at a time. So we're failing to notice a guided missile targeted directly at national sovereignty and individual rights, which apply to war foreign policy, too. This is a top-tier emergency if you're not aware of the proposed WHO pandemic preparedness measures. It's time to catch up. This is getting out of control. Now, I'm going to include uh, basically a long breakdown, which you can read, and I really recommend you do. 
which we've already gone over almost all of this. The one health main was kind of the point that really unnerved me the most. Sort of like a, what's well, exactly what they did with COVID. No one's, or foreign policy for that matter. No one's safe till we're all safe. No one's healthy until we're all healthy. It's a, it's a, it's a game. It aims to never meet it. The war on terror was never meant to be accomplished because, oh, other than knowing that they were spreading terror, because you don't just remove terror, guys. How does that even happen? It's about always setting you up on something that is never achievable, but always on the horizon. So make sure you understand where this is going. And I promise you, we will be focusing on this very soon. But this is unnerving. And we already have. Go back and look at T-Lab's website, the Last American Vagabond website, and look this up. We've talked about it quite a bit. Now, Orwell sent me this. Scientists in government, academia, and industry are thinking about gene editing and artificial intelligence as catalysts moving society towards a post-humanism future. Yeah, this is not some fringe thing. This is an exercise organized by Rand Europe. <laughs> I mean, my point that this is, un this is ridiculous. Because, you know why? Because this is the thing we were going, this is what it's all leading to. And they're like, you maniacs, you conspiracy theorists. There we are. I mean, guys, it's not that hard to connect all this stuff. It's just that we they pretend like our framing of it is some kind of cartoonish version. I'm simply pointing out transhumanism. The idea of how we even the, a trans conversation, transgender, or the conversation of technocracy, all these things overlap with what they were accomplishing and still pushing for during COVID-19. And here it is. Gene editing with artificial intelligence all comes together. Post-humanism. Your humanity is the problem. That's what we kept trying to get people to see. Now, Steve Kirsch points this out. I found this to be hilarious. He says, I'm not aware of, oh, but scary at the same time. I'm not aware of a single prominent scientist who went from anti-vax to pro-vax. So he asked Bard, which is like one of these, you know, response kind of artificial intelligence things. You're not going to believe the response. So he asked that question. Are there any prominent anti-vaxxers who switched sides, essentially? And says, yes, there's a few prominent anti-vaxxers who switched sides and are now promoting COVID vaccines. Robert Malone. Well, that's not exactly true. That's the only one on this list that's like, he's saying that mRNA might have some future, which does make me kind of concerned, but he's simply saying he was initially critical, but since has changed his mind, is now a strong advocate for vaccination. Well, that's not accurate. Del Bigtree, that's what they're saying. Del Bigtree was a promoted anti-vax conspiracy theories. However, he has since apologized for his role and is now urging people to get vaccine against COVID-19. That's not true. Jessica Rose, who, by the way, is a PhD. It says a former model and actress who became an anti-vaccine activist. But bottom line, she's since changed her mind, is now advocating for... <laughs> My God, guys, think about how terrifying this is. People believe this stuff. People look up, they just chat GPT. What's the truth about X, Y, and Z? And they just listen to it. Scott already proved this on one of his sub stacks where they go, look, they asked him about... Uh, which one was that? Was it blood? I forget. But bottom line was, he asked him a question. They said no. And he goes... He responded and said, but no, here's this. And they go, oh, you're right. <laughs> here's the answer. I can't believe that. Anyway, I think that's alarming as hell. Now, that leads to the last two points. And this is something else uh, she also shared with me. And this is terrifying. I missed the actual title. I was trying to look at this going, what is this exactly? Look at it right up here. Oh, it doesn't zoom up top. But it says, U.S. SOCOM procurement document announcing desire to utilize deep fakes. I told you this was coming. This is uh, from The Intercept. Now, the, cutting to the quick point, this is one of the things that stood out that she pointed out to me. It's saying influence operations, dig digital deception, communication disruption, and disinformation campaigns at the tactical edge. We already know they do this. The Army puts out this PSYOP video that basically taunts that in front of anybody paying attention. They're literally telling you they're going to do this. They're going to lie to you. They're going to fake things. And guess what? 
This is just the revelation of what they've already been doing. Provide a next generation capability to collect, dis- disparate data through pub- public and open source information streams, social media, local media, etc. Local media, guys. That means military using media channels to lie to you, you know, Smithmont Modernization Act, to enable MISO to craft and direct influence operations and messages in relevant peer, near-to-peer environments, provide next generation deep fake or other similar technology to generate messages and influence operations. Okay. Oh, and the last one, generate next generation capability to take over Internet of Things devices like your phone for collect data and information from local populaces to enable breakdown of what messaging might be. Okay, I guarantee they're going to go, oh, but not you guys. (laughs) We wouldn't do anything like that, except every single time, right? We won't take your data for COVID-19. And they do that. We won't take your data from DNA, but then they do that. Every single time they swear, they always do it. And yet we always blindly walk into this. The point is they're planning to lie to you and it's already happening. So think about that as we go through what we're about to talk about next. Wag the dog military style is something we all should fully understand by now. Lastly, to one more push in that direction, geopolitics and empire makes an interesting point. They actually openly call for totalitarian and world governments or literally global despotism. We talk about the despotic regime or despotic future. They're literally going, we need that as a stepping stone for democracy. I I mean, these people are, I mean, I'm starting to go, I think they really want. I mean, there's so much in this that is mind blowing, especially if you're not in, you know, in the know, as it were. We need to put our hope in the establishment of a global enlightened despotism that saves humanity from going extinct. So all of this hinges on climate change. We're going to destroy the planet. So we need to lock everybody down and trust one good bad guy, essentially, who will steward over all of us under a despotic regime that doesn't care about our lives until we get to where we need to be. And then they'll give us back democracy. Guys, I shit you not. That's that's exciting. Guys, that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, my God. Check this out. From despotism to democracy. How a world government can save humanity. Now, this is just a study. This is not from a specific government, let's say, but this is literally sort of like the uh, moral compulsory bioenhancement conversation, right? That's something that should we, this is being said for a reason. So read it for yourself. It's a terrifying thing to just to claim that we need, it says, provides a unique political solution to the form of an enlightened global despotism. Just in case you want to understand what this means. It literally means the exercise of absolute power, especially in a cruel and oppressive way, right? But, you know, we're killing the planet, so let's just put us under a boot until we can get past the hump, assuming that they end up doing that after they take complete control of our lives, right? My God. Okay. Now, that being said, let's get into the bigger conversation today because this, I mean, and really, both the deep fakes, manipulation, despotism. All of this is flavored with what's de- what we're dealing with today, largely why the U.S. government just revealed its fa- pulled its mask off and is completely siding with open genocide, showing you that that's what they actually want or however they want to frame it. But Disclosed TV points out Israel agrees. Now, this is on the 25th, two days ago. Israel agrees to delay ground invasion of Gaza so the Pentagon can move in air defenses to the region. Air defenses, which, first of all, as much as that kind of shocked some people, I'm like, okay, so more than <laughs> it's not really anything new guys i mean they have air defenses all over the place including the iron dome which the u.s pays for most in many cases but the the bottom line is this is just simply more of what's already happening so to me this was one more of a bluster one more move in the in direction of a bluster you know kind of going we're gonna do it 
We're that's why we had to pause because we need this. Then we're going to do it. As I've made very clear, I don't think they're capable of this without support specifically from the United States. And that's why they're kind of hoping that something shifts or something like that. That's how I'm reading the situation. Now, then on the 26th, the next day, the United States is deploying about 900 more troops to the Middle East. More troops, including air defense systems, operators, Pentagon spokesmen said on Thursday. Quote, I can confirm approximately 900 soldiers, which probably means a hell of a lot more than that, have deployed. Now, usually this is the game they play, right? So 900 soldiers, but we said about 4,000 assistants, whatever they want to call it. You know, that's, that's how the game usually goes. Or they don't mention it at all. But soldiers are very specific. But, you know, they send people on, on advised roles only, and they don't call them soldiers. It's such, a, it's such a game that's played. Or we don't even talk about the mercenaries, like the contractors, like Blackwater, or excuse me, Academy, or whatever they call themselves today. Academy. But the point is, it's obviously always more than what they have or what they even tell you about. This is they want you to know about this is the point. 600, excuse me, 900 soldiers have deployed and are currently deploying to the area of responsibility, whatever that means. Ryder said he added that it's mostly about air defense operators, U.S. Central Command. Now, my point is something happened. They sent more people in. My man, let's not forget. There's a three star general that, that I think it was Axios that reported this, who's on the ground in Israel and has been directing and helping direct their operations so as they act like we're worried about international law well you're involved you're clearly on the ground and helping make decisions so there is no lack of accountability here they're responsible and that's why they started to change their narrative after about 15 16 days of round the clock indiscriminate bombing of civilians because that's what you do right you wait 16 days of mass killing to just make sure no they did that because they don't care and they only shifted their narrative because we see right through them it doesn't matter they're still going to be accountable if we actually get to a place where we could hold them accountable. My point is this happened on the 26th. Then today, Israel Defense Forces spokesperson, Real Admiral Daniel Hagare says ground forces will be expanding operations tonight and calls on residents of Gaza to move south again. Now, this doesn't have to mean it's going to happen. I'm only pointing a series of events out to wonder if the deployment did, did and might have been more than that, which will, in my mind, change what Israel feels it can accomplish. But we'll have to wait, see, maybe it's already happening now for all we know. Let me know if you're seeing something happening. My point is they've been saying this for a while. And then also, I think uh, Solari Report put out a, a, basically a tweet saying, well, let's actually let's wait and see what happens because they've said this a lot. They keep they even have people reporting that they've been ground incursions. It's not. They're just doing bombings. And that there's a reason they want you thinking it's because they know that they can't do it. They know a lot of us see they can't do it, and that makes them mad. That'd be my opinion. And so they want you to think they're on the ground. They're not. Outskirts, I think Pasta reported one attempt and somebody died and they pulled back. Right? They have repeatedly failed in this effect. So when they keep telling you that, I wonder whether it's just more bluster or now there's something that has shifted. And also, asking this many people to just move isn't in and of itself a war crime. It's displacement. But on top of that, they don't want to leave their homes for the however many times they've already been displaced. They don't want to have their homes demolished, even though it's going to happen anyway. And, th- and third or fourth, whatever it was on, they have repeatedly bombed where they tell them to go. Let's not forget that. That's been acknowledged by the Amnesty International. That's been acknowledged by the United Nations or, or Egypt, the bombing of the Rafa crossing. But this is moving south to Gaza. Like Khan Yunus, for example, has been bombed repeatedly. They just go, oh, well, Hamas was there. Well, that, you told them to go there. And the point is, this gets back to the crux of the point we're going to get into. 
that simply because you claim Hamas is there, even if they are or not, does not justify the bombing of places where you can prove there are civilians. That's the craziest thing we're going to get into today is the U.S. government is quite literally now making that argument, which is going to tear apart any reality of rules of war, which they never cared about anyway. But you're going to have other adversaries that act exactly in line with what they're saying, and they'll call it a war crime. The point is, they are acting like they civilians become military targets the moment that they hold them as hostage. We have never. I mean, that's a joke. That next time the police have a, a bank robber, just shoot the hostage and call it a day. Right? Isn't that what we see in movies? Isn't that the same logic? We know this is stupid. They bomb them when they go. They bomb them when they stay. What are they left to do? Now, Dan Cohen puts out this video, but I just wanted to read what he said here. Why Israel is delaying its ground invasion. Now, this was on uh, the 25th. According to New York Times, they say Hezbollah might open a second front in the north. Hamas's subterranean tunnel system would create an urban quagmire and huge loss of life for Israeli ground forces. <clears throat> Israel reserves have no combat experience and need time to train. Ending the war hastens Netanyahu's downfall. That seems to be the most obvious. In other words, the Zionist project is extremely weak and in an extreme existential crisis, <clears throat> which, by the way, is exactly what even Haaretz is writing about. They wrote recently, Netanyahu is an existential threat to Israel. Of course, Biden won't tell you that. Our media won't tell you what's really going on in Israel because it's all, it's all a wag the dog manipulation of the reality. That's why they're lying about everything. And a quick moment of sidestep. Let's make a quick enjoyable laughing moment at this guy and, and the, 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 you know, I mean, the sad part is that it's all hurting people. All of this is, but it's, it's great to see somebody who thought he had his finger on the pulse of, of, you know, rather finger in the wallet of foreign governments. And suddenly no one cares about what he's saying anymore. The Ukrainian leader had a helicopter ready for evacuation, apparently. And the Ukrainians have no choice, but to conclude a truce before the new year said Oleg uh, Soskin advisor to the former president of Ukraine. The new conflict in the Middle East, this is reported by Sprinter, the new conflict in the Middle East and the inability of the West to continue funding Kiev will make the defeat of the Ukrainian armed forces inevitable. Now, my argument is going to be that you're going to see more bloodshed at the hands of the Ukrainian forces of their own people who decide to stop fighting than you would ever see from Russians on the ground in regard to people in Ukraine. That's not because I don't think Russia's capable of that. I'm just because that's how they've shown themselves to conduct themselves since as far, I mean, for a very long time now. It's just, it's just acknowledging the history here as much as the U.S. government would love to lie to you about that. doesn't mean individual Russians might won't act in their own, just like any war in any situation. But my point is, we know who the extremists are in this situation, and that is, I'm, I'm worried what will happen there. Now it says, so they no longer care about Ukraine and they no longer care about the Russian leader, Vladimir Putin. They, they no longer care about Putin, he says. Now Israel needs to be defeated at all costs, says Soskin. Which, you know, that's kind of them kind of pouting about that. Right. They no longer care about our situation. Now, this is all that matters. Well, this is what it's like to be in the the limelight of the U.S. government. It's fleeting and it's fast. Very cool. Same kind of point. But the hilarious part about this is the same thing. You know, the Kurds, for example, get used on a on a revolving basis. They just they're ready to come back in the moment that they want them to be used again. Why don't these people realize that? I guess they get a lot of money, a lot of influence. The point is, the moment you're no longer useful or the moment they care about something else more, you don't matter. Ask Juan Guaido. He'll, he'll, he'll talk your ear off. Now, Erdogan, as I was telling you right in the beginning, he got a little pushback from what he was saying, but this is obviously where he stands. President Erdogan now says Hamas are not terrorists, but a liberation group. Now, people can dispute that. You can disagree. I myself even have a little bit of a different opinion. I think that it's very difficult. 
I think there are different factions and I think there are different people within that have a little different allegiance to basically origins of, you know, Israel, the United States, because let's not forget it as, as Cohen, a representative of Israel in the past openly said to our great regret, Israel is, is Hamas is Israel's creation. That was the wall street journal. We know this, they'll still lie about it, but we can prove it. So that just puts into question whether there's still some issue there, but nonetheless, the, People in Palestine and plenty of others argue that things have changed over the years. And now I think what we're going to see more today is that they've proven that they're not the animals in, as an entity that they've tried to make them out to be. We're getting into that in the very next segment. But nonetheless, I still have you know, issues overall. But here, this is a NATO member. Ter he says Hamas is not a terrorist organization. It's a liberation group. Mujahideen waging a battle to protect its lands and people. Now, remember, that term was just... Uh, guerrilla fighters in Islamic countries, especially those fighting against non-Muslim forces. He canceled plans to travel to Israel. He says, we had plans to travel to Israel, but it's been canceled. We will not go. Very important. On top of that, he's now suspended important energy projects with Israel. Like this is very clearly blowing up in Israel's face. And it's, I, I think it's because specifically Netanyahu or some of the others that might not be as belligerently extreme as some of the Zionist religious Zionist party may have kind of lost control of this. I mean, that people have already argued that he leaned in too much to the kind of fanatics of, of the religious Zionism grouping to get in the power he has right now because he's trying to avoid prison time. And that kind of got over, went out of control. Just some people's perspectives. Either way, Turkey has suspended plans to engage with the joint exploration of energy resources with Israel in the Mediterranean. That's not a good thing for Israel. Now, another important point. So these are just kind of opening points I think are important for the rest of the show today. Israel-Palestine war. Middle East Eye points out that Israel plans to flood Hamas tunnels with nerve gas. We were just talking about this. This is also what I think is just what seems to be happening based on the kind of talking, the, the different sources flying around, different elements. And it says delayed ground invasion, part of campaign to keep element of surprise in multi-pronged attack. Now, by no means is this something that I think I can verify. This was just my opinion based on what we're hearing. And it does seem to make a lot of sense. Palestinian groups expect Israel to flood Hamas tunnels with a type of nerve gas or chemical weapon under the surveillance of the U.S. Delta Force commandos, of course, as part of a surprise attack on the Gaza Strip. This is a senior Arab source familiar with the Palestinian groups. Israel and the U.S. hope to achieve the element of surprise in order to penetrate Hamas tunnels, which simply show you everything they've been doing has been in preparation of that one act, if that's the case, which means they do not care about the civilian lives in the buildings they're destroying to hinder their access to these tunnels. Now, remember, we just talked about the Israeli president and the comically stupid, comically fake display that this comes from a, a book cover, quite literally. Al-Qaeda written in English, right? Because that's how you read. I mean, it's, just, it's such a game they play. Everybody laughed about this. It's not true. And the point was, in case you don't remember, that they literally they said they found chemical weapons instructions in the pocket of one of the dead Hamas members. Because it makes sense they would carry instructions with them just in case they come across the lab, right? Mid-raid. As the joke I said on Twitter, it'd be better to have it, not need it, right? I mean, this is just ridiculous. But it's because you're setting a narrative, almost to the point where it doesn't matter if it's fake. You put the narrative out. They had this. So once we bomb them with chemicals, we're going to say, see, we told you they were going to do that. That's how it works. And it rarely works anymore, but they still try. Now here, I'm not going to play it, but here's Redacted, who just put this out two days ago. A false flag attack is coming in Gaza, says an ex-CIA agent. Just remember this for, you know, when it comes and we can revisit. The point being is it does seem like that's on, you know, kind of the writing on the wall. <clears throat> now, this I find really important. Now that we're going to get right into this gray zone article, which I think was really well done. 
this is something that I think is important context for that and the rest of it. Hamas offers to release all hostages in exchange for an end to the bombardment. And apparently Israel said no, which does seem to line up with multiple things we've seen, including already reports that they turned down exchange of two hostages right in the beginning or not right in the beginning, but recently. And that's also backed up by the gray zone writing. But here's what he says. And there's part, this part of it's in, in subtitles. And I'll read it for you. But the interview, the interviewee is not. All the civilian hostages, will you let them go from Gaza? Unconditionally, will you let them out now? I will let they are not hostages. First, secondly, oh, no, no. I told you. Whatever you call them, the captives, guests, whatever. Will you let them go? See, I hate that. This guy, unless he's just that bad at his job, which I don't really know, but my point, I would rationalize, I would argue he is very aware as we already talked about, a hostage is not the term. A hostage implies that, you ha- that you're demanding something in return, which hasn't happened yet, not necessarily, but also that it's not in the midst of a war, right? Because in a war, they'd be called POWs. Or outside of a war, without requirements, it would be detainees, right? Calling them hostages is a willful misrepresentation. And that's why he pushes back. And, oh, well, no, whatever you want to say. Just tries to brush over it because... That's an, he's making he's doing that deliberately, in my opinion, because if you call them hostages, it means they're breaking the law. But if you understand now, that's not to get into attacks on civilians or individual acts of crimes. But we have to remember that the, the U.N. never has always maintained this is or captive, as somebody points out, an occupied territory. That's the fact. No matter what childish narrative people spin, you can easily prove that an occupied territory per the U.N. and the Geneva Conventions. Under the Geneva Conventions, a, an occupied territory has the right to armed rebellion, armed resistance. So I keep saying this. Now, when Hamas took the action, it was legally supported, legally backed. It was an illegal action. Then crimes that were committed, those aren't. And that should be held accountable. It's the standard to keep the point they make every time. Wars by anybody, the United States or any other country, there's always individual acts that we should hold accountable. People that steal, then you should be arrested for. You should be charged with a crime. But the point is the war itself is not invalidated, even though sometimes it should be. In this case, that has to be understood. So when he calls them hostages, you're trying to argue that this was just an act of terror, which is really what they, that's always why they've tried to frame it like that, right? So don't forget that. In this case, I would argue that they are, I mean, essentially POWs, I would argue. I mean, if we're in the context of a war, but we also have to remember that Israel has over 5,000 from before this ever started. And since it started, apparently they've taken a thousand more. I'll get to that in a second. And so, and right now, those, I mean, arguably, especially as an occupying force, this would be like the U.S. government taking people from a state and holding them indefinitely because they won't do what they want. That This is an occupied territory. Legally, they're obligated to take care of them. Crazy. Whatever you call them, captives, guests, whatever. Will you let them go? What have they done? I said we will release them, and Al-Qassam brigades announced that. But now they are distributed in different locations. Did you hear that? Right? They've announced that. Why didn't they report that? Because the narrative is not that they would say they're giving them back for nothing, because that destroys what they're actually saying. Now, I'm not, you, I'm, we could, he could be lying about this, right? But we've already seen some released. We've already seen others offer that they turned down and then released. That was the woman that came out and said everything was fine. Or rather, the, they said it, in the first place, she was beat up and it scared her. And the person was, I think the guy, the one that took her was essentially rough. 
she didn't seem like she had any scratches or you know bruises or anything, but she simply said that the person was, they beat her is the word she used. And then once she was taken in by the group, she said they were very kind. They ate the same food. They gave her medicines. They gave her female hygiene. And then she shook the hand and said shalom when she left. Now, of course, people are going, oh, they made her do it and they still have her husband. Okay, sure. My point is we can assume all day long about what her motives are. But what we can prove is that she said the opposite of what we're being told. Right. So I stick with facts, not my your assumptions based on narrative, which is people freak out and say, how, why would you believe that? I'm not believing anything. I'm taking it at face value. You can assume all day long. That's pretty childish, though. So when he's telling you that they are going to release them all and now they can't or haven't been able to because of the indiscriminate bombing, well, suddenly it starts to make a little more sense. Israel has killed them, but now they are distributed in different locations. Israel has killed more than 22 of them because of the destruction it has caused. And I've heard that's up closer to 50 now. So therefore, if Netanyahu was keen on their safety, exactly. if the Europeans and the Americans are keen on their safety, let them force Israel to stop its aggression, to stop this genocide, this brutal war crimes which are committed every day. Yes. Now that's important, right? Because we can prove, one, that they've been bombing UN facilities. So let's not pretend like they're not targeting civilians. Yeah, there's no way. That's why nobody in the carpet media is going to touch that, even though it's the United Nations for crying out loud, because you can't pretend that they didn't mean to do that. It's happened many times. The numbers up to 53. Now they targeted U.N. schools. They've targeted U.N. facilities with food. They've tra- they're deliberately targeting where they are sheltering, just like they target when they tell them to go a certain place. That's important. That means that they're intentionally doing so is trying to hurt these people. There was one other point. He said, uh, force Israel to stop its aggression, to stop this genocide, this brutal war crimes which are committed every day, yesterday only. Oh, and the, the obvious, which was that so the, I've been saying this from the very beginning. So one, we know they're targeting UN facilities and civilians, but if they cared about those civilians, why are we pretending like bombing everywhere or just a lot when they don't know where they are makes any sense at all? It will make more sense when we get into the article in a second. Because it becomes very clear that they just disregard the fact that they're there for their own interest, which does not align with anything we're pretending they're doing. Now it says yesterday, 400 victims in one night. 400 victims in one night, Dominic. Let them stop this aggression and you will find the mediators like Qatar and some Arab countries like Egypt and others. They'll find a way to have them released and we'll send them to their homes. Did you mean? See, so, just, by the way, what he just said is not conditional. He just simply said, "We'll give them back." I'm not sure why. Now, that could be a lie. It seems, it seems like at the very least, they want their own prisoners back, but maybe not. Maybe they've actually. I mean, again, there's been two times now they've stated they were going to give hostages back, and Israel refused. Weirdly enough, exactly the kind of stuff we saw with Ukraine and Russia, where Ukraine did very similar things. There seems to be a lot of lines here, but overall. It's very clear to me that something has shifted. And I think with the example of the other, what's her, I forget her name off the top of my head, the woman who was just released and spoke with Sky News and said they treated me kindly. And then Israel's own government was like, that was a big mistake. We shouldn't let her speak. Obviously, what, how do you, why would you, how does that even make sense? She she should have, she should have lied or you should have stopped her from speaking. It shows you they're trying to hide this, guys. I don't know how we missed that. And I'm going to get to in a minute that it turns out that at least half or more of the people that were taken and killed were IDF members or police. And and then I'm wondering how much more were settlers. 
I mean, I think it's at least they're stating now their aim was just military targets. Of course, they could be lying. But the more evidence we see, the more it seems to align with this argument. ...to take civilian hostages. Did you intend to do that? Or was that a mistake, taking so many civilians and civilians from countries all around the world? I said this happened within the situation of a battle. Al-Qassam fighters focused on the army officers and rank and file to exchange them for the 5,500 prisoners we have. We have hundreds of children, women. We have some people who spent 45 years in Israeli prison. Now, just a quick example of how dishonest things are right now and always are. I've already seen people taking this right here and acting like he said they have all these people's children and women. That's not what he said right there. He's saying we have Palestinians, women, children in the prisons in Israel. Now, that's not to say that they don't have women and civilians, in, but his point, what he's stating there when he says hundreds of, he's saying they have them. That's what he's saying. But because people don't care about the truth and they're trying to flavor your, what you see, they just clip things out and they go, see? And if you only see that, you're going to go, wow, he just said they've got a lot of women and children. That's how you would take that. Very dishonest. The bottom line is, he's stating that they were going after military targets and it was in the midst of battle. Isn't that what the U.S. government keeps saying? Well, war is messy, right? Funny how they only apply that and, get, and you know wash away the crimes of one side of this. He's saying we were in the middle of a battle. We took the people we thought were military targets or people that we just got caught up with or however you want to frame that. That's what he's saying. He could be lying, of course. But it's interesting how, just like Sam Hussein keeps pointing out, it's very alarming how little they even acknowledge or discuss what they're saying about what's going on. Because they're, they're selling a narrative. We have. Let me go back just a little bit. For the 5,500 prisoners we have, we have hundreds of children, women. We have some people who spent 45 years in Israeli prisons. Dominic, please try and understand me. This is a message. Hamas, this is not, this is not a battle between Israel and Hamas. This is a battle between Israel as an occupier and the Palestinian people. Right. It, this is one of the important reasons that, that we keep talking about, you know, that, that this is a this is a war between Israel and Palestine, as it always has been. Right. This is not an Israel Hamas war. This that that's a really important thing to understand. Now, here is a post from Al Arabia. Saying informed sources, Israel refused to respond to a long truce request by, by Hamas. Now, I can't personally confirm this, but I have seen many different examples of reports that back, that back this up. Oh, that's interesting. Look at that. Showing up right here. Huh, that's crazy. That's just because we're streaming on the, the YouTube, Twitter version. Anyway. Refuse to respond. So they've already refused hostages and now apparently refuse to respond because they don't want a truce, guys. They don't want this to happen. So as, as we hear Blinken and Biden pretending they want a two-state solution, it's, it's the most insulting thing in the world because the, Israel is screaming. Not only do they don't want that, they will never allow it over their dead body, they've said, in many different individual cases. So when they go, we want a truce, they don't, they don't want to hear it. 
They'll tell the U.S. that they want that and then pretend like they won't let it happen. That's that's how this tends to go. Now, I'm not saying I believe that Hamas necessarily wants it either. But what I'm showing is that they're being dishonest about what's really going on. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, Israeli journalist Gideon Levy, who's been writing for a long time and covering pretty critically of, the, of Israel, he says, I don't recall one occupation in which the occupier presented himself as the victim. Except this case. The second very deep-rooted value is obviously the value of we, the victims, not only the biggest victims, but the only victims around. I know many occupations which were longer than Israeli occupation, than the Israeli occupation. Some were even more brutal, even though it's getting harder and harder to be more brutal than the Israeli occupation. I don't recall one occupation in which the occupier presents himself as the victim. Not only the victim, the only victim. If to quote here the late Golda Meir, whom I quoted also last time, I know, but it is so unforgettable, I have to use it again. She once said that we will never forgive the Arabs for forcing us to kill their children. We are the victims. We are forced to kill their children. Poor us. And as the victim and the only victim in history, again, it enables us the rights to do whatever we want. And nobody is going to tell us what to do because we are the only victims. Right. I mean, and so if if somebody, anybody other than it, but even even an Israeli Jew says that they get beat up. We've shown you the Orthodox Jews that will say that Zionism is not Judaism and they get beat up all the time in Israel. But the point is, he's an Israeli telling you this. And you hear this from people like Avi Shalom. We'll get to it in a minute where he was just kicked, refused from speaking because they think he's going to be too critical of Israel. It's just staggering the kind of whitewashing and cover up we're seeing. And this is why this article is so important. Now, this is from the Gray Zone. October 7th testimonies reveal Israel's military shelling Israeli citizens with tanks and missiles. This came out today. Now, we're going to get to a cradle article that came out a few days ago, actually, that is very similar. This one gets much more specific on the actual killing of Israelis by Israeli uh, military. But there's a bunch of important stuff. And then we're going to contrast that with the Washington Post article that came out, swearing up and down they've got all the inside information about October 7th because Israel told them. Of course, because that's great journalism, right? They, they haven't done an investigation. They sat down with people that walked them through how it all went down. And they report that as, here's all the facts. It's amazing how, in, how corporate journalism is today, or always has been. Israel's military received orders to shell Israeli homes and even their own bases as they were overwhelmed by Hamas militants on October 7th. Now, what's most interesting about this is this is public information. You can show people that were at the concert speaking with different media outlets. You can show people speaking with local Israeli media that were in the different kibbutz areas. Now, again, it's kibbutz Be'ere, I think, in different locations. I think kibbutz is just the, the preface. Yeah, right here, it's kibbutz Be'ere. But in these different locations, people that were there who were saying, we almost got shot by the IDF. And you're not hearing this anywhere. That's what's so incredible about that. These people are willfully covering up what's going on. Now, whether they believe or they convince themselves, it's because they're on the right side and they made some mistakes, but it'll only hurt us. Like kind of like the vaccine conversation. Yeah, it's hurting people. We can't be honest about that because it's ultimately good. And if we show them, it's going to create vaccine hesitancy. You can lie to yourself all you want. All you're doing is hiding the truth. 
In this case, it's not because they are, you know, doing mostly good and this is only one bad thing they should have done. The bottom line is this is what they do. And we've been showing this for as long as I've been here. And I'm talking about the Zionist government that is manipulating Israelis, Jews, Arabs, Palestinians, Americans alike. How many Israeli citizens said to have been burned alive were actually killed by friendly fire, including shelling and bombs that would have burned them exactly the way it looked? Several new testimonies by Israeli witnesses to the October 7th Hamas surprise attack on southern Israel adds to growing evidence that the Israeli military killed its own citizens as they fought to neutralize Palestinian gunmen. Now, this, what this is getting into is not necessarily the argument that this was deliberate, which is something we shouldn't shy away from asking. A lot of even Israelis have made the argument that this was intentional. But my point is this is mostly about desperation. That people were so terrified to lose control that they were willing to kill anybody in front of them to put an end to it. Which speaks to the kind of government we're always pointing at. Not one that cares about your interest and that will put themselves between you and harm's way. But people that will literally shove you in the harm's way to save their own control. That is what we always point out. Simon Sinek we talked about in the past. Right? Leaders eat last. We've talked about this. It's a great uh, seminar or a presentation that you should watch. The point is... True leaders, one, don't need to be in positions of power to be leaders, and two, will always put themselves between you and danger. They will always make sure that you eat, and then they will make sure they're fed. That's a real leader. Today, it's the opposite. Today, we have governments that say, we have to eat first, otherwise we can't lead properly. So we need to get all of it first, and we'll make sure you eat last. But just, but that's how we keep you safe, and where they often do the exact opposite. They're not real leaders, guys. They're They're... Despot, despot, despotic leader, despotic rulers. That's what they are. Tuval Escapa, a member of the security team for Kibbutz Be'ere, set up a hotline to coordinate between the different re- different lo- lo- kibbutz residents and the Israeli army. He told the Israeli newspaper Haaretz that that as desperation began to set in, quote, the commanders in the field made difficult decisions, including shelling houses on their occupants in order to eliminate the terrorists along with the hostages. Now, this is just the opening. There's plenty of source material. And even within this, there's links when you look at it. The the highlighting takes it away. A separate report published in Haaretz noted that the Israeli military was compelled to request an aerial strike. That's a quote. Against its own facility inside the area's crossing to Gaza. Quote, in order to repulse the terrorists who had seized control. That base was filled with Israeli civil administration officers and soldiers at the time that they chose to bomb it. The reports indicate that orders came down from the military's high command to attack homes and other areas inside Israel, even at the cost of many Israeli lives. An Israeli woman named Yasmin Porat confirmed in an interview with Israel Radio, Israeli Israel Radio, that the military, quote, undoubtedly, killed numerous Israeli non-combatants during gun battles with Hamas militants on the 7th. We talked about that. Quote, they eliminated everyone, including the hostages, was her quote. She stated that unequivocally, referring to Israeli special forces. So ask yourself this. A woman who was present, an Israeli who was there, who testifies that they, they killed the hostages right in front of me. And yet that doesn't make any news. That doesn't end up on the front page. Biden doesn't make this clear. That doesn't bleed into their conversations about how they should respond. Of course not, because this is a massive cover up. As David Sheen 
and Ali Abu Abonama reported an electronic intifada. Porat, the one who just gave that statement, described, quote, very, very heavy crossfire. We're not even at the concert side of this yet. We saw the same thing there. And Israeli tank shelling, which led to many casualties among Israelis. While being held by the Haas gunmen, Porat recalled, quote, they did not abuse us. That's the, now, that's the, multiple people that have said this. We were treated very humanely. No one treated us violently. That shatters the narrative we're being told. She added, quote, the objective was to kidnap us to Gaza, not to murder us. According to Haaretz, the army was only able to restore control over the kibbutz Be'ere after admittedly shelling the homes of Israelis, according to their own testimony, who had been taken captive. Quote, the price was terrible. <clears throat> At least 112 local residents were killed, according to this newspaper in Israel. Quote, others were kidnapped yesterday, 11 days after the massacre. The bodies of a mother and her son were discovered in one of the destroyed houses. It is believed that more bodies are still lying in the rubble, the rubble of the home that they destroyed. So how is that supposed to end up being Hamas's fault? Like, that's the same game, that it's now their fault because you made us bomb the home that they were in. That's what they're doing in, in Gaza right now. And even the U.S. pretending like that makes them tar military targets. You have to understand, if they're claiming that because Hamas is holding them and it makes them military targets, they're claiming that Israeli hostages are then military targets. They're not saying that. They're acting like the average Palestinians or that, but it applies for anybody there, right? It applies to the American Palestinians. It applies to the British Palestinians. It applies to the Israelis being held. Think about how gross that is. They're literally saying our own people don't matter as long as they're holding them. These are horrifying people. Anybody saying that, no matter where you're from, what you look like, or what your religion is, you're a horrifyingly disgusting person if you pretend that this is how this is this, that you're now not important if they take you hostage. It says the price was terrible. Others were kidnapped. I just read that. Yeah, it says much of the shelling in Biere, the uh, Biere was carried out by Israeli tank crews. As a reporter for the Israeli Foreign Ministry sponsored outlet I 24 noted during the visit to the area, quote, Small and quaint homes bombarded or destroyed and well-maintained lawns ripped up by the tracks of an armored vehicle, perhaps a tank, you know, which obviously Hamas did not have. Apache ha attack helicopters also figured heavy, heavily into the Israeli military's response on October 7th. Pilots have told the Israeli media, that's my point, these are all been publicly stated. They scrambled to the battlefield without any intelligence. You un unable to differentiate between Hamas fighters and Israeli noncombatants, and yet determined to, quote, empty the belly of their war machines. More than once, in fact. I find myself, it says, quote, I find myself in a dilemma as to what to shoot at because there are so many of them. That's one of the pilots on the record. Video filmed by, I mean, even, even if just that was all it was where we're at, like there's a lot more than that, but if, if that was all it was. Isn't it quite obvious already that it's, that it's possible that they ended up killing some of their own people that then later got just it was Hamas? Yes. Video filmed by uh, uh, uniformed Hamas gunman makes it clear that it they intentionally shot many Israelis with Kalashnikov rifles on October 7th. However, the Israeli government has not been content to rely on verified video evidence. It says instead it continues to push discredited claims of beheaded babies while distributing photographs of bodies burned beyond recognition, one of which we've proven was an artificially intelligence created image. 
to insist that militants sadistically emulated their captives and even raped some before torching them alive. None of which there's any true evidence for, which we'll get to in a minute. The point, though, which I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm saying is we can't prove that. That bothers the hell out of people, but that's what it's called to be an objective reporter. The bottom line, though, the reason he's making that open claim is you realize if all they wanted to point out was that they killed Israeli people, there's there, there's video evidence, but they're not. They, that's like the last thing they care about. It's because it needed to go to the level of atrocity propaganda, because what they're doing right now is an atrocity. And if you just pretend that they killed people and then we went on to murder everybody in Gaza, well, it's hard to wrap your mind around until they go to the level of beheaded children to where then they go, well, children are dying, but bad, they beheaded baby. Well, that claim has been completely thoroughly walked back by everybody even though now there's israeli reporters who will show you in a minute who are now acting like now that's been confirmed why because israel had a secret screening and they apparently showed something they all believed which i don't know why anybody would take that at face value assuming they're the people that have already shown to be reporting false information and this shows you that what they just because they show them images of dead people how do they know what actually happened this throws a wrench into that because if we know that this is they're responsible for some, they very well could have been responsible for all. I don't know that. But you know that's a logical possibility. And this could be something that ultimately, I mean, let's put it this way. I don't believe that because I think it's obvious that Hamas did shoot people. What I'm saying is we don't know where that number lies. And if this is the case, I'm starting to think it's a hell of a lot more than we realize. Because the evidence backs this up. The objective behind Tel Aviv's atrocity ex- exhibition is clear to paint Hamas as worse than ISIS, which has been their their tagline. They're even paying social media influencers to say exactly that, while cultivating support for the Israeli army's ongoing bombardment of the Gaza Strip, which has left over 7,000 dead, including at least 2,500 children at the time of publication. And also, let's not forget, this was the plan before this ever started. As even Dan Cohen points out, in March, they passed a bill about doing exactly this, which would come along with heavy casualties. Maybe they just needed a reason. While hundreds of wounded children in Gaza have been treated for what a surgeon described as fourth-degree burns caused by novel weapons, which is, you know, some alluding, alludes to some horrifying weapon, like the same thing they use their tear gas, which gives, it kills people or causes neuro- seizures and neurological problems. Clearly, it's a chemical weapon, and we've known this for so long. Abby Martin's covered this. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention that. I'm doing my best to set up a screening of Gaza Fights for Freedom in Franklin. I've even talked with Abby Martin, and on that note, she told me that a friend of hers had family killed in Gaza, just like Robert had family killed. It's horrifying what's being covered up right now. But I'm, I actually was trying to get her to come out and do it, if I can find a place to, to, to actually play it, because that's the hardest thing today. But I want you to know that. Reach out to me if you want to get involved. I, I want to make that happen. It's important. And there's a cost, obviously, that occurs to us, which I won't probably charge. It'll be kind of a donation-based thing, but I think it's important to get this out. You guys haven't seen it? My God, you need to see that movie. The point, though, creating the atrocity propaganda to kind of undermine or to give people the, the excuse to ignore what they're doing. It says, while hundreds of wounded children in Gaza have been treated for what a surgeon describes. Oh, I just read that. The, the Western media focus remains trained on Israeli citizens supposedly burned alive on October 7th. We've talked about this. Yet the mounting evidence of friendly fire orders handed down by Israeli army commanders strongly suggest that at least some of the most jarring images of charred Israeli corpses, Israeli homes reduced to rubble, which is one of our, show, our, our which is our image today, 
and burned out hunks of vehicles presented to Western media were, in fact, the handiwork of tank crews and helicopter pilots blanketing Israeli territory with shells, cannon fire, and hellfire missiles. Most of these images are, are showing damage that, they were, that Hamas wasn't capable of achieving. Indeed, it appears that on October 7th, Israel's military resorted to the same tactics that it has employed against civilians in Gaza. Shocking. Driving up the death toll of its own citizens with the indiscriminate use of heavy weapons. Now, in case you didn't pick up on my shocking was sarcastic. The point is, that's the point. That's what they're do. That's what these people are. They don't care about civilians. Just like your government would sacrifice you at the blink of an eye if it achieved the goal for them. Now, we're going to get into the images they're discussing about the charred bodies, which, don't forget, Chuck Costello was one that shared that dumpster, which Robert told you right in the beginning were Hamas members that they burned and were claiming were something else. Now that's verified. But again, demonstrating our value. But we'll get into that as they break it down in here. Now, it says the air is crossing. <coughs> Excuse me, is the home of a massive military and coordination of government activities in the occupied territories, or COGAT facility, which functions as the nerve center of Israel's siege on Gaza. When it was overrun by Palestinian fighters on October 7th, with droves of army bureaucrats inside, the Israeli military flew into panic. According to Haaretz, the commander of the Gaza division, Brig uh, Brigadier General Avi Rosenfeld, quote, entrenched himself in the division's subterranean war room together with a handful of male and female soldiers, trying desperately to rescue and organize the sector under attack. Many of the soldiers, most of them not combat personnel, were killed or wounded outside. The division was compelled to request an aerial strike against the era's crossing base itself in order to repulse the terrorists. That's their quote. Video released by Israel's Kogat 10 days later after the battle and the Israeli airstrike itself shows severe structural damage to the roof of the Erez crossing facility. So that may not be a big story right there, right? They're going, yeah, well, we bombed our own building because, you know, we wanted to get rid of them. Except, one, that people, were, people were hurt and killed by that. But two, here is I-24 News telling you that the damage was because of Hamas. That's how this, that's how this works. So they bomb this building and then blame Hamas for the damage because nobody cares to check this stuff. That's how this is working. That's I mean, it's just so it's so staggeringly obvious, like the ridiculous chemical weapons allegation we all just made fun of because it's that I don't know why they think it's that easy. But people buy it. I think it's because they think that they can get away with it because they have so much influence over the governments and people in power. But that's a lie. I mean, the, the links are, you could double check this stuff for yourself. That is a quote that's on the record where they said that they, they did this with, to repulse the terrorists and then told you it was Hamas. Now, under the Apache helicopter part, it says, as the wave of infiltrations from Gaza drove chaos on the ground, discompopulated Israeli pilots unleashed a frenzy of missile and machine gun salvos. Quote, the Apache pilots testify that they fired a huge amount of munitions, emptied the belly of the helicopter in minutes, flew to rearm and returned to the air again and again. But it didn't help and they understood it, understand it. My point is they didn't know what they were firing at. The Apache helicopters appear to have focused on vehicles streaming back into Gaza. I think it was just right up here. I might've just get the, <clears throat> yeah, right. So there was, there was, it says by at this point, Israel's two Apache helicopter squadrons, eight choppers, and there was almost no intelligence to help make fateful decisions. So what they do, they just, Shot everything. That's what they're saying. Now it says the Apache helicopters appeared. This is the one of the important parts in regard to sh shooting hostages as they were fleeing back to Gaza, or possibly they appear to have focused on vehicles streaming back into Gaza, 
from the Nova Electronic Music Festival and nearby nearby towns, areas, attacked cars with apparent knowledge that Israeli captives could very well be inside those cars. They also fired on unarmed people exiting cars or walking on foot through the fields. These are the fields that these people were running through. That they then say Hamas shot down with indiscriminate. I mean, this is ridiculous. And this is the clip they're showing you where they're bombing these cars. Every one of these could have hostages in them. Just like every airstrike in Gaza right now could be killing an Israeli hostage or an American hostage or an American Palestinian or a British Palestinian. They don't care. There's no way you could pretend that they care about civilians or they're trying to alleviate that as we'll get to a State Department briefing that's going to blow your mind where they contort themselves into mental gymnastic somersaults to make this argument that when they do it, it's okay. It's kind of the game they're playing. That is the same thing. They're, they don't care. So you can't pretend like what they're doing is avoiding anything when they know they don't know where they are. It says, I chose targets like that, the pilot reflected, where I tell myself that the chance that I am shooting here on hostages is well is as well as low. However, he admitted the judgment was not 100%. On the record, that they were ordered to fire on these cars when they thought, well, there could be hostages. I mean, think about the, the, the disregard there for the people that you're claiming you protect. It says the pilots realized that there was tremendous difficulty in distinguishing within the occupied outpost and settlements who was a terrorist and who was a soldier or civilian. The rate, uh, and of course, at their framing, it would be who is the you know Palestinian who was a Hamas member. Because quite frankly, the occupied territory discussion and the act of legal invasion, you can't call them terrorists in the concept of an occupied territory and the act of revolt within the law. I mean, it's just so frustrating how this stuff gets framed. But it says the rate of fire against the thousands of terrorists was tremendous at first. Oh, but it goes on to say the settlement that they couldn't tell who was a terrorist and who was a soldier or a civilian. That's That's their quote. And yet they emptied the belly of their machines. It says, and only at a certain point did the pilots begin to slow down the attacks and carefully select targets. Guys, that's enough for me right there. They're admitting that they indiscriminately shot when they didn't even know who they were firing at. How in the world does anybody make sense of that? A squadron commander explained to Mako how he nearly attacked the home of an Israeli family occupied by Hamas militants and wound up firing next to it with cannon rounds. My point is that there's many examples of them doing exactly this, and it gets worse. And so it says, without any intelligence or ability to distinguish between Palestinian and Israeli, the pilots let loose a fury of cannon and missile fire into Israeli areas below. And that's what you're seeing here. Hamas didn't have the ability to do this or this. They just didn't. And that's what it says here. This is one of the many homes in the kibbutz Bari where which appears to have been shelled with heavy weapons. Now, it says photos of the aftermath of the fighting inside these areas, like in Bari, kibbutz Bari, and the Israeli bombardment of these communities show rubble and charred homes that resemble the aftermath of Israeli tank and artillery attacks inside Gaza. As Tuval Escapa, the security coordinator at this area, told Haaretz, Israeli army commanders had ordered, ordered, quote, the shelling of houses on their occupants in order to eliminate the terrorists along with the hostages. Just in case you missed that, make sure you hear what I'm saying here. This is this is the security coordinator at the area we're talking about, Kibbutz Ba'are, Biere, speaking with Haaretz in Israel, saying, quote, the shelling of houses on their occupants, they ordered that in order to eliminate the terrorists along with 
the hostages. That is stated on the record by the security coordinator. Yasmin Porat, an attendee of the Nova Music Festival, who fled into Kibbutz Ba'are, told Israeli radio that when Israeli special forces arrived during a hostage standoff, quote, they eliminated everyone, including the hostages, because there was very, very heavy crossfire. I mean, my God. It, it, it's, 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 it's almost overwhelming how obviously this is being covered up, how obviously people that put themselves forward as the ones fighting for freedom and rules-based international order are just blindly ignoring this. This is terrifying. I mean, even as I know it, I can't imagine how uncomfortable this must be for people that are having their entire worldview shattered if they even care to look at it. A video posted by the Telegram count of Israel's South responders, who, by the way, is it's, that's where Israel got that video from that they posted. Like, there's something very strange about how that's being disseminated. This random account, South responders, Telegram channel, posting direct video footage from the ground. Like, that doesn't make much sense to me. But the point is, they posted this video shows the bodies of Israelis discovered below the rubble of a home destroyed by a powerful explosive blast, likely a tank shell. The right-wing New York Post ran a report on a similar incident about a, bo a boy's body found scorched beneath the ruins of his home in the area. So you're starting to put this together? They've been pointing at all of these and saying, look at the horrific things that Hamas did. And then being very, very kind of shifty about even showing it or giving you access to it. Like we're going to get to the one of the ones that uh, Max points out, I think it's right down here, where all, all they'll do is show you on his iPad during a UN speech, the video, and then a QR code. It's like, the, it's, it's, I think there's a reason these things are being so, hell, so kind of the way they're presenting it is almost in making sure that you can't investigate it yourself. I mean, why, why wouldn't this stuff be? I mean, don't forget, even Israel, the IDF posted saying that this video would, this image would show you beheaded babies, but the terms of service won't allow. Are you kidding me? I mean, literally right now, you can see from every channel, everywhere on Twitter, dead things all over the place, horrifying snuff videos of dead children and blown up bodies. And we're going to pretend that they just couldn't do it. I mean, it's 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 we're being lied to on such a level about the worst of things. And it shows you what kind of people these Zionist government people are. And by the way, the Zionist governments of the United States and other people that are towing these lines without any thought for how it affects the average people or you. And now we're finding bodies under the rubble where they bombed with tank fire and innocent people on the, that were present told you that. Yasmin Porat, the hostage who survived the standoff, described how Hamas militants tied her parents' hands behind her back. She stated that the Israeli security forces, quote, undoubtedly killed him and the other hostages as they opened fire on remaining militants inside, including with tank shells. That's on the record. She was present. She told you they killed her family and fired tank shells on these buildings, which they let her later pulled people out of and then blamed Hamas. Israeli security forces also opened fire on fleeing Israelis who they mistook for Hamas gunmen. A resident of, uh, of Ashkelon named Daniel Rochelle, I believe it's Rochelle, Rochelle, described nearly being killed after escaping from, guess where, the music festival, when it was attacked by militants from Gaza. Now, don't forget, we already went broke down the timing, the, the you know, the, the supposedly investigated CNN videos, which they can clearly tell they weren't looking at. Well, we they were running across that field after being kind of blocked in by, on only three sides, which seems very suspicious to me. They all ran right through the field where that then led them. 
and they went head on right into a military Israeli blockade. The timing that took place doesn't make any sense. Supposedly, there are 15 locations where there's nobody there, and yet right around the, like, just not, I think it was only an hour later, they end up running right into a military blockade, well, yet they haven't dealt with this main area. How do they even know what's going on if they haven't? Something that it clearly doesn't add up. The point is, here's another example of people from that festival who almost got killed, meaning others likely did, which is exactly the point we're making today, and then got blamed on Hamas. We have many different examples of them telling you that they killed hostages in the crossfire. It says, when they were attacked, uh, a resident described nearly being killed after escaping from the music festival when it was attacked. It says, quote, as we reached a roundabout, interesting, we saw Israeli security forces. This is exactly what I'm talking about. We held our heads down because we automatically knew they'd be suspicious of us in a small beat-up car from the same direction the terrorists were coming from. Our forces began shooting at us. Well, how many didn't make it out alive? How is this not being discussed? This is stated information. Now, just to show you real quickly, because I do have it highlighted. Where was it? Right, you you could find all, all the links in here you can find. All the information they're citing, everything's in here, guys. And you can believe me, I look this stuff, my stuff, my stuff myself. And most of this we've already gone into. Then it says Adi Ohana was shot dead by Israeli police near his home after being mistaken for a Palestinian guerrilla. Well, I guess that's just how war gets messy, right, guys? Right? Oops, we just shot. We weren't sure. Well, isn't that their job? Like, to, like in the midst of this, you're shooting your own people because you're just that belligerent about this. Like anybody moving gets shot. Well, that's probably exactly the kind of direction they're getting. They're so desperate to maintain their control that it doesn't matter. Openly shooting anybody moving from helicopters. That's the reality. So this person just got shot because they thought he was somebody he wasn't. Didn't even care to ask. And it's, well, obviously not ask in the context of whether it's a gorilla, plus passing gorilla. But my point is that we can prove that it's been indiscriminate. This person was coming back to his own home and got shot. Quote, an Israeli, an innocent man was killed in the most negligent way possible. That's my point. A niece complained. Israeli media is now filling up with reports of the military gunmen gunning down fellow Israelis, even as they were defending their homes from Palestinians. Now, my point is specifically Palestinian gunmen. The point is that what they're telling you right now is enough evidence to realize that this whole story is compromised. And now Israeli media is filling up with this information. Why? Because like we keep telling you, they're very skeptical about this. Your government is the one not telling you what Israelis are saying, which is pretty much always how this goes. Telegram account of the South responders reported this. The Israeli government has portrayed these casualties as Israeli victims of sadistic Hamas violence. Another example of the, the burnt, burnt people in cars or burnt whatever they're showing you. Well, we're starting to find out that it seems likely these were missiles. Or shelling. However, the melted steel body and collapsed roof of this car and the comprehensively scorched corpses inside evidence a direct hit from a Hellfire missile, something very clearly Hamas did not have. But they want, they'll show you this and say, look what they did. Right. But they, ha- I mean, it's just, it's stuff like this that is, I guarantee you that there are Americans, especially in intelligence and military, they're like, well, that obviously wasn't Hamas, but they don't care. When I scan the code, and this is the important part about this guy, we're going to show you this, or maybe not this exact one, but uh, there's a tweet that I shared of uh, of Max's that I made this point on. So this guy gets up and basically says all the same stuff, 
all the atrocities and what they did, many of which we can already prove that's, that haven't happened, that they lied about. Holds up this weird thing. Now, I don't recommend you doing what Max did because I, I, don't, I, I guarantee you these things are able to exchange information that you don't realize is taking place. I run screaming from any QR code ever, guys. I'm serious. But here's what he says. When he scanned the code that day at noon, he found that he found around eight grisly images, Max did, of burned bodies and blackened body parts. One showed a pile of completely charred male corpses piled into a dumpster. Oh, remember that? Would Israeli rescuers and medics have disposed of dead Jewish Israelis in such a fashion? All Israelis killed on October 7th appeared to have been collected in individual body bags and transported to morgues. Meanwhile, numerous videos recorded by Israelis show them, as I've shown you, defiling the corpses of Hamas gunmen killed by security forces, stripping them naked, urinating on them, stabbing them, mutilating their bodies, laughing, running them over with cars. I've shown you all of these. Throwing their bodies in a dumpster would seem to be part of the de facto policy of corpse abuse, wouldn't it? So that seems to make sense. They just dump them in there. But remember, this is what we already showed you guys. This image, right, that Robert very clearly immediately broke down and asked and found out that it was Hamas soldiers that they burned and then told you it was Hamas that did it to them. This is exactly how this whole thing has gone. Now, the reason I had to show you it from this random account is because Chuck Costello, of course, deleted the tweet, as I told you he would. Remember that? We've already, we called this out right at the beginning. This was something they put out and said this was burned children in, the, in a dumpster, even though it takes 30 seconds to realize the body sizes are not children and it's all weirdly blanked out. I'm telling, I'm willing to bet you that the fuzzed out things give you some indication that it's Hamas. That'd be my guess. Either way, they lied to you. They're lying to you now. They lied to you then. It's continuing. Just over 12 hours after Ambassador Erdogan, right here, the, he's the UN, uh, Israeli ambassador to the UN, promote, after he promoted the supposed Hamas atrocity photos at the UN, the Google Drive, that contained only, basically the point is that the, the, the QR code with the drive had all those burned images, but 12 hours later, they were all gone. And only one video was there. Now, why would that even happen? Was it real evidence or was it not? And if it was real, why are you now hiding it? I mean, guys, there's something, anybody who has brain cells can see that we're being lied to right now. It says among the mysteriously disappeared photos was the image of the dumpster filled with burned bodies. Of course, because it's, they, they, we, they've been caught lying about it. Had it been deleted because it showed Hamas fighters torched by a Hellfire missile and not Israelis burned to death by Hamas. Now, you could argue it was a Hellfire missile, which would make sense, but or it could just be that they burn these people alive or burn them afterward and they're acting like that's what happened to everybody else. Wouldn't surprise me at all. But Hellfire missile does seem to make the most sense. And in the meantime, killed innocent Israelis, too. Now, on the, the uh, disturbing photos of friendly fire and casualties, it said on October 23rd, Israel's government gathered members of the international press for an off-the-record propaganda session, which is just so blatantly stupid. The fact that they would act like we're going to bring all the media, who the ones they choose, who all blindly reported babies with their heads cut off that nobody had evidence for, that they even they had to walk back, and then we're going to believe that they are objective? My point is they're going to show a bunch of terrible things. They're going to believe that that was Hamas. That's how these people operate. They want access, and most of them don't even aren't even that smart, quite frankly. My bot, the point is, I can show you all sorts of terrible things, and I have at least the, the objectivity enough to go, well, I don't know who committed that crime. The idea that it's even suggesting that they might have been responsible is somehow, oh, like the pearl clutching. How dare you suggest that in the midst of this terrifying... Well, that's called being objective, guys. We have to ask that. Those people... Don't. And that's why they were invited. 
That's my opinion, obviously. But an off-the-record propaganda session, which how do you exactly have an off-the-record media display? I mean, it seems so stupid. Inside a closed military base, officials bombarded the press with snuff films and a collection of lurid allegations of harrowing scenes of murder, torture, and decapitation from Moss, according to the Times of Israel. And this is all you get, right? You get these shock images of everyone. <gasps> right? They literally lined them up in a theater and then showed them the worst things. Now, it says, in, in perhaps the most unsettling document presented by the Israeli government, reporters were treated to video showing a partially burned woman's corpse with a mutilated head. The dead woman's dress is pulled up to her waist and her underpants have been removed, according to the Times of Israel. Daniel Aram, the most popular private news blogger in Israel, tweeted the video of the woman's corpse burned corpse, claiming she was raped and burned alive. Now, what's interesting is that this person was clearly given this to be put out. Otherwise, because nobody else has been able to show anything. This guy literally tags Greta Thunberg because why she says support Palestine. And because she's so known, everybody then attacks her. After, I mean, I'm not a supporter of Greta Thunberg or anybody for that matter. The, most of these mainstream people. The point is, she said, Free Palestine. She didn't say Hamas. She didn't say good killing Israelis. But of course, people just can't condone people in the mainstream having a balanced perspective. It's rare, right? It's rare that it even happens. Now, this is kind of blurred out, but the point is they've got this blurry image. You can, I mean, I don't recommend watching it because quite frankly, I think he's proving this is not real. Not in the sense that it's actually what happened. But he says, please watch this family who just found their sister after she was raped and burned alive. It, which is emotional propaganda, right? How do we know what happened? Let's just say that was exactly what happened. How do we know who burned her? How do we know who raped her? Because they showed you a video of a burned right person. You're just going to believe that? Yes, that's what these people do. How do we, I mean, think about how ignorant that is. I'm not saying it has to be Israel, but how, how in the world do you think you know? Because Israel shows you that and says they did it. Well, all you're then doing is reporting secondhand information with Israel as the source. Israel being a person involved in the conflict. That's bad journalism, period. But here's where it gets even more interesting. And this is, this is why I think this was such an important article. Many reasons. In fact, the young woman appeared to have been killed instantly by a powerful blast. And she seemed to have been removed from the car in which she was seated and which may have belonged to a captor from Gaza. So one of the examples of them bombing a car that was fleeing, killing an innocent civilian, and then framing her body in a way that made it look like the, what they would want to argue. It says, though she had attended the Nova Electronic Music Festival, one of the many they're claiming were killed by Hamas, where many female attendees dressed in skimpy attire and her bent limbs were typical of a body that had been seated in a car after rigor mortis. So the point is you're sitting in a car, right? And then as we know, the body ends up get, becoming, you know, the rigor mortis sets in where it becomes stiff after you die. And that's the way the arms were positioned. You could see that. I think that's very telling. And it says Israeli pundits and officials ran with the claim that she had been raped. But the allegations of sexual assault have so far proven baseless. Israeli army spokesman Mickey Edelstein insisted to reporters at the October 23rd press briefing that, quote, we have evidence of rape. But when asked to proof, he says, quote, we cannot share it. There it is. It, with what we've seen so far, the fact that there, this is just this is what we say is happening. We can't show it. I mean, that is straight out of the U.S. playbook or maybe the original Israeli playbook. This is ridiculous. Now, what I'm saying is the same I've said the whole time. With that with it left right there, we don't know what happened. Certainly is possible, but I don't see any evidence of it thus far. I see evidence of manipulation or at the very least something that I can't confirm or at the very least something that did happen that we can't confirm who was responsible. But 
every mainstream journalist will happily say what they're told. Was this young woman yet another casualty of the Israeli military's friendly fire orders? It sure seems, sure seems that way. <clears throat> Inside Gaza, says where some 200 Israeli citizens were held hostage, there is little doubt about who is killing the captives. On October 26th, the Hamas armed wing, known as the Al-Qasim Brigades, announced that Israel had killed almost 50 captives in missile strikes. <clears throat> Excuse me. If Israel's military had intentionally targeted areas where it knew the captives were held, its actions would have been consistent with is what's called Israel's Hannibal Directive. The military procedure, and this is what's so important to pull up things that they document, their own driving tactics. The military procedure was established in 1986 following the Jabril Agreement, a deal in which Israel traded 1,150 Palestinian prisoners for three Israeli soldiers, which they were embarrassed by. Following heavy political backlash, the Israeli military drafted a secret field order to prevent future kidnappings. The proposed operation drew its name from the uh, Cathaginian general who chose to poison himself rather than held captive by the army. The last confirmed application of the Hannibal Directive took place on August 1st, 2014, in Rafah, Gaza, when Hamas fighters captured an Israeli officer, Hadar Gold, uh, Colonel Hadar Golden, prompting the military to unleash more than 2,000 bombs, missiles, and shells, which of course killed the soldier, along with 100 Palestinian civilians. Starts feels very similar, doesn't it, to what's happening right now? So, under this directive, the point is kill everybody. Same thing happened when they were shooting the hostages when this was happening on the 7th. Same thing that's currently happening in Gaza. So it sure as hell seems that they don't want to be embarrassed again. So they'd rather be seen as genocidal murderers. Whether or not Israel has intentionally killed its captive citizens in Gaza, it has proven strangely allergic to their immediate release. On, Octo on October 22nd, after refusing an offer from Hamas to release 50 hostages in exchange for fuel, Israel rejected an offer from Hamas to free specifically Yokoved Lifshitz, the woman who was later released. They refused. An 85-year-old Israeli peace activist and her 79-year-old friend. When Israel agreed to their release a day later, video showed Lifshitz clasping hands with a Hamas militant and atoning shalom to him as he escorted her out of Gaza. During a press conference that day, she recounted the humane treatment she received from her captors. We just went over this. They gave us food. They helped us. They treated us humanely. Very different than what we were told. Finally, the Israeli military was no less displeased by her sudden freedom. As the Times of Israel reported, the army is concerned that further hostages released by Hamas could lead to political leadership to could lead the political leadership to delay a ground incursion or even halt it midway. Right. So what the Israeli military just admitted on the record was that we don't want more hostages released because that might delay our ground invasion. But isn't the whole point that the ground invasion was held off to make sure people got out of the way? They're admitting what they're doing, guys. They're admitting that they want them there. Because if they're not, well, then that might stop the invasion. But the invasion itself is going to take their lives in most cases because of what they're doing and the way they're conducting themselves. Think about that. That's the Hannibal Directive right there. And just like the U.S. government, guys, they play the card of fighting for civilian lives, being the good guy, fighting for equity and sustainability and truth and rules-based international order, while they quite literally do the opposite. Now here, 
is a new version. This is from the 24th, but this is one of the early, one of the newer ones I've seen where it's like they, like people don't buy what they're saying. So they put out a new person. Let's try a woman this time. Let's put out a woman IDF member to just reiterate the statements we've already made. You know, the things that ha- most of the corporate media have already walked back. So somebody's staying, I saw it. I was the one that saw them. It's no, it's no different than anything else. This is secondhand Israeli military information. I mean, it's really getting embarrassing. The head, they were burnt alive, they were mutilated. We saw genitals cut off, heads cut off, babies, um, hands, feet, no reason. We saw also people shot in the head so many times, long after they were dead. We even saw them shot in the head after there was no more blood. There was no reason. Yeah, well, haven't we already seen evidence of people doing that to the, the corpses? Right. So is it not possible it's the similar thing happening to other corpses? The bottom line is we have enough evidence already that suggests that any of this stuff could have been done by themselves in order to achieve a certain goal. I don't know. My point is we don't know because all they do is give us a person that says, trust me, it's behind me, but you can't see it. Oh, they rape people. Give me evidence. No, I can't show you. National security or whatever. I, I'm, and I'm not trying to diminish What's going on here? I'm just trying to be unemotional about it. And we need to be able to see evidence. Now, it doesn't have to be gruesome images. Well, I mean, in fact, a gruesome image doesn't prove who's responsible. We need some kind of an investigation. But see, that will never happen because just like Israel bombing Syria or anything else, they just go, here's the narrative and U.S. government goes along with it. I don't think we're ever going to get evidence because the narrative, because ultimately they know that we see through it, I think. This was just abject cruelty. And there's a report about women being raped. Can you confirm this? Yes. We have seen that women have been raped. Children through, the, through elderly women have been raped. Forcible entry to the point where bones were broken. So, so I, mean, I just, you know, the whole thing just feels so disingenuous. What? Look, they've already made this statement. They've already said it many times. Netanyahu says he's seen it. Biden lied and said he saw it. Then they walked it back and said, no, he didn't. So why is it why is it now a new step to just roll out an IDF member that says, I saw it too? Isn't it more important that the leaders of countries said they saw it and lied about it in one case that we can prove? I mean, think about how dumb that is. Why is she suddenly more weighty, right? Why does that add more validity to it? A random IDF member, which because she's a woman? I mean, that's probably the point. Doesn't that scream manipulation? Either show the evidence or stand by your narrative because you said it as the leader of a country. This just simply is just, I, I think this screams, we're trying to manipulate you one last time. You guys can decide for yourself. The bottom line is we don't have enough evidence to verify most anything of what they're saying. Now, the cradle on the 24th came out with an important article. And this is co-written by Robert Inlakesh with Charmaine Narwani. It's a great article. Now, I, I plan on connecting with Robert here soon in general, and I wanted to get you know, more thoughts on this article as well. Now, what this is about is what really happened on, on October 7th. Now, there's a lot of good information here. There's a little bit of an overlap to the, the article, but this one actually came out first, and this was on October 24th. But this is specifically about the IDF overlap, I think, is important. It says, instead of the whole-scale massacre of civilians claimed by Israel, maybe wholesale, incomplete figures published by the Hebrew newspaper Haaretz show that almost half of the Israelis killed that day were in fact combatants. 
right? So that, that, that alone has already been lied about. They've been saying 1,400 civilians, right? The point is, this is at least half of those, which that, that we have yet to truly get the full picture here. The bottom line is, we don't know how many were also uh, Israel occupation forces under the, under the settlers, which apply, or whether they're more police or IDF members that we can't confirm. I just think that's really interesting. It says in the interim, and I've been asking this from the very beginning. Now, why would they lie about that? In the interim, two weeks of blanket statement, media, uh, blanket Western media reporting that Hamas allegedly killed around 1,400 Israeli civilians. That's what they've been saying. During its October 7th military attack has served to inflame emotions and create the climate for Israel's unconstrained destruction of the Gaza Strip and its civilian population. Now, it says accounts of the Israeli death toll have been filtered and shaped to suggest that a wholesale civilian massacre occurred that day with babies, children and women, the main target of a terror attack. Now, detailed statistics on the casualties released by the Israeli Daily Haaretz paint a starkly different picture. Surprise, surprise. As the as of 23rd of October, the news outlet has released information on 683 Israelis killed during the Hamas led offensive including their names and locations of their deaths on October 7th. Well, it's quite a bit lower than what we were told. Of these, 331 casualties, or 48.4% have been confirmed, which doesn't mean the rest, for all we know, the rest will end up being confirmed, but at the moment, we've confirmed half, or they have confirmed half, have been uh, soldiers or police officers, many of them female. Another 13 are described as rescue service members, and the remaining 339 are ostensibly, ostensibly considered to be civilians. But again, I, the settler aspect of that is a very important element. Now, it says only accounts for roughly half of Israel's stated death toll. Right? So maybe, maybe we're missing it. Maybe they haven't investigated or maybe they lied about it. There are also so far no recorded deaths of children under the age of three, which throws into question the Israeli narrative that babies were targeted by Palestinian resistance fighters. Well, look at that. That comes directly from Haaretz, guys. So Ben Shapiro and Alex Burnus and all the rest of the people that are sycophant, they're sycophants for Israel are screaming, what about the 40 babies? I mean, they keep, IDF puts it out. Israel's put out a video about it. So now we know that there's not, so far anyway, no recorded death. Now, if they're the ones telling us that that was what they saw, well, they would, they would be recorded. Haaretz would have it included in their statistics. But no recorded deaths of children under three. So babies do not apply which throws in that entire narrative, throws into question. Now, here's the breakdown. <clears throat> Only seven for between four and nine. Now, clearly four, maybe four and five is not a baby, but maybe that's just the term they use. The bottom line is only seven anyway, which it's all horrific, guys. It's terrible. The fact that these are people, if you know, well, any of them, in fact, I, human life matters, but specifically civilians, it's terrifying. It's, these are atrocities. People that did this should be condemned and they should be held accountable. But we don't know how many of these people died because of indiscriminate Israeli bombing, shooting, anything that they did. We have to ask that question. The numbers and proportion of Palestinian civilians and children among those killed by Israeli bombardment over the last two weeks, over, this is in Gaza, over 5,191 and including 2,360 200, children. 1,292 women and more than 1,800 injured are far higher than any of the Israeli figures from the events of October 7th. I mean, it, it's not like we should be comparing, but the point is at the end of the day, if you're acting like this is self-defense, that card has been played. You are well past that. You are now punishing these people. 
which, by the way, is what it always really was. The daring Hamas-led military operation, by the way, that was legally protected by the Geneva Conventions as an occupied territory. It says, uh, uh, codenamed Al-Aqsa Flood, unfolded with a dramatic dawn raid at 8.30 a.m. So this is important for the time frame we talked about, right? So so we, we were told hours went by before there was any response. 15 different locations, no sirens. That's what we were told by many people that were there. Or that were reported, excuse me, like uh, like uh, Efrat Fengerson, who was a former IDF member, another former IDF member that said the same thing. Well, this goes on to say this was accompanied by a cacophony of sirens breaking the silence of occupied Jerusalem. Okay, well, so you're telling me that 15 locations are breached, sirens are blaring, and nobody comes around for that long? I, that nobody could, nobody would buy that, guys. That's ridiculous. And my point is. As this is happening, they end up having a a, a police blockade that that the music, the festival people run right into. How do you explain that if they weren't even there? I mean, all of this, they were involved as far as I can tell based, that's my opinion, based on this information. To what degree? I think we need to flesh that out. Aviva Klampos, Klampos, this person has been sharing a lot of just blatant supporting of Israel information without any due diligence. A former speechwriter for the Israeli mission for the UN was the first Israeli of note to spread the claim that there were reports of Israeli girls being raped and their bodies dragged through the streets. Now, Klampas is also a co-founder of Boundless Israel, a, a quote, unapologetically Zionist charitable group that works to promote Israeli narratives on social media. So this likely being one of them. The one case touted as proof of rape was the younger German Israeli woman, right? Shani Loke. It was filmed face down in the back of a pickup truck and was widely assumed to be dead. It was unclear whether the fighters filmed with her, which is what I said at the time, which is what any objective person would say, whether they uh, was in a Gaza-bound vehicle were members of Hamas, as they do not sport the uniforms, or even some casual civilian clothing and sandals. Right. The point is, we don't know. For all we know, it could have been Mossad. I mean, the point is, we just don't know. And it's really, it's really irresponsible for anybody to have assumed, which most of the corporate media did, because they're all about narratives. But we, as we reported, the mother is now claimed to have evidence that her daughter was still alive. Newsweek reported that. But had su- suffered a head wound. This rings true with information released by Hamas that claims that they took her to a hospital, which completely now lines up with what we're seeing them present themselves as. Still could be a lie, but it lines up with the idea that they're not trying to hurt these people. And in fact, it's possible that she was hurt by Israeli bombings or Israeli firing and they took her to a hospital. Right? I'm not saying I know that, but that now becomes a very real possibility. Complicating matters further on the day these rape allegations arose, this now goes back to challenge uh, Klampas here. On the day they arose, Israelis would not have had access to the information. Their armed forces had not yet entered many, if not most, of the areas liberated by the resistance and were still engaging in armed clashes with them. So explain how she can come up and go, they're raping everybody. Well, they had yet to even give that information out. Because there's a, she's narrative controllers, guys. They're the ones setting the narratives. When the army later made its own allegations of detap- decapitations, foot amputations, and rape, Reuters pointed out that, quote, the military personnel overseeing the identification process didn't present any forensic evidence in the form of pictures or medical records. To date, there is no credible evidence of these atrocities. And of course, when they ask, they go, we can't show you. Hardly. You know that this would be everywhere if this was something they could prove. Now, other outrageous allegations, like the 40 beheaded babies, made headlines, right? All around the world. 
Even Biden claimed to have seen confirmed photos and seen himself. The claim was later walked back by Israel itself, or excuse me, by, by the White House itself. Now, as we reported to you, the claims then traced back to a extremist illegal settler name of David Ben Zion, who has previously incited violent riots against Palestinians as is called for Palestine to be wiped out. No evidence was ever produced to support these claims, as we know the White House even walked it back, and so did most every reporter that stated it. Even CNN apologized twice, which I can't even wrap my mind around. There is little to no credible evidence under the Hamas plan head subcategory that Palestinian fighters had a plan to, or deliberately sought, to kill or harm unarmed Israeli civilians on October 7th. Now, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. The point is, as I'm now also feeling with the evidence we're seeing, with the narrative they're presenting, and what they're doing, and people that I respect, like Vanessa Bealey, Dan Cohen, and others that are saying that this is not what they're going to do and not what they want to do, it doesn't then even remove the possibility of the individual, right? The, the person that supposedly beat up uh, Lipschitz on the bike or when they took her, right? That's my point, is the individual is always capable of acting in the moment in a situation they think they're unaccountable. But as a body, it seems this is what they're presenting and the evidence seems to back it up. So they've made this into, they went to kill all the Jews and they went to kill every child and every woman and rape everybody. It starts to feel like Assad likes to gas children because he's a maniac, which wasn't true. Key objective of their operation was to take Israeli prisoners that they could exchange for the approximately 5,300 Palestinian prisoners held in Israeli detention centers, many of whom are women and children, many of whom are held without charge for years. And now, and we're, and we're quibbling about, I mean, but think about that, guys. And this is the point about the idea of what the situation truly was before this ever started. It says both sides play this game since the start of its military assault on Gaza. Right, not not the five thousand we're talking about. Since the start of this recent assault, Israel has rounded up and imprisoned more than one thousand two hundred Palestinians in the West Bank. Hamas is not in the West Bank. To date, there have been thirty-eight prisoner exchange deals between the resistance factions and Tel Aviv. Deals that Israelis often resist to the very last minute. While these kinds of testimonies trickle out, reports are emerging that Israeli authorities have dialed up the mistreatment, torture even killing of Palestinian prisoners in their custody. Alan McLeod's already shown this in the West Bank, tortured, urinated on. They're the, and this is very clear. We can prove they're doing this. Allegations are happening on the other side, but we can't prove it. That should matter to any honest journalist. A violation of the Geneva Conventions, obviously, which ironically, a non-state actor like Hamas appears to have followed to the letter. Now, that's, that's their writing, but I agree, based on what we can prove. Now, the, the attack in Kibbutz Biere. In its report on the events in the area, ABC News photographed artillery pieces resembling Israeli munitions outside a bombed-out home, which we've already proven. The reporter, David Murr, mentioned that Hamas fighters covered in plastic bags were found in the aftermath. Additionally, videos of the scene show homes that appear to have been struck by munitions that Hamas fighters did not possess. Mura reported that about 14 people were held hostage in a building by Palestinian fighters. A, he a Hebrew language Haaretz article published on the 20th of October, which only appears in English in a must-read Mondawais article, paints a very different story of what went down that day. A kibbutz resident who has been away from his home, had been, whose partner was killed in the melee, reveals stunning new details. Direct quote, lives in the area. His voice trembles when his partner, who was besieged in, their, in her home shelter at the time, comes to mind. According to him, 
<clears throat> excuse me, only on Monday night, 9 October, and only after the commanders in the field made difficult decisions, including shelling houses with all their occupants inside in order to eliminate the terrorists along with the hostages, did the IDF complete the takeover of Kibbutz. The price was terrible. At least 112 Israeli people were killed. Others were kidnapped. Yesterday, this is the same quote we heard before, 11 days after the massacre, the bodies of a mother and her son were discovered in one of the destroyed houses, the ones they were shelling. It is believed that more bodies are still lying in the rubble. How do Israelis pretend this makes any sense? They don't care about you. They were willing to kill you to get control of that house. This is not a government that cares about anybody but themselves. Pretty much like every government I've ever understood. It's crazy, guys. All of this is sourced and you can prove yourself. Now, let's look at what the Washington Post had to say. It's just, it's laughable. How Hamas broke through the border defenses. Well, let's find out what Israel says. They knew exactly what they were doing, says that the security squad at one of these areas. The phone network doesn't work. WhatsApp doesn't work. Everything is broken down. Our radio doesn't work at all. The channels of command are missing. They had a flawless battle plan and they executed flawlessly. Well, I find it impossible to believe that they uh, Hamas, inside of an open-air prison with limited access to damn near everything, was somehow able to circumvent all of Israel's cyber communications and accessibility. That's ridiculous, guys. That was shut down like all the other anomalies that we can't understand. That's my opinion. For hours, that's the point, hours. So that puts into question how in the world they had a police barricade before that time that they ran into and then got killed in the crossfire of. For hours, volunteers such as Asher were left to fend for themselves, outnumbered and outgunned. What's interesting about this is our reports were that they were unchallenged at 15 different checkpoints with sirens blaring. That doesn't just, I mean, my point is, based on what we can prove happened due to people that heard and were there and former members of the IDF, the Washington Post just seems to blindly report whatever Israel told them. Even though we can prove a lot of what they say here is completely false contradicted by what actually happened but no surprise what is this the paper of record whatever the democracy dies no it's new york time democracy dies in darkness well yeah typical in a simultaneous wave of attacks on at least seven military posts well 15 but good try washington post hamas sought to systematically disable key detection communications and warning systems using snipers and commercial drones armed with explosives the strategy allowed its gunmen to advance deep into israeli territory with little resistance or none, and scrambled the subsequent military response. I mean, really? That is a weak argument. Lying about where they actually broke through, I think because Israel's embarrassed to say it now, it looks bad, oh, 15, oh, seven. Hamas sought to systematically disable them with snipers and drones. You're telling me snipers and drones took out the most advanced military, systematic cyber control. I mean, come on. This is embarrassing. The Washington Post spoke to more than a dozen current and former Israeli intelligence security officials and studied footage from lost body cameras to build a picture of how they were able to overwhelm. That's how you go. Great. So you looked at footage that is I'm very skeptical about in general. And then Israel told you that this is current Western journalism for you guys. A couple other points in here. Early hours of October 7th, at least 1500 Hamas and Islamic Jihad militants broke through. Well, that's weird. I thought it was just Hamas. Maybe now they're just kind of conflating them. And maybe that's the truth, but I, don't, I haven't seen that. Conflating them now because they just want it to be everybody in Palestine. Remember in the beginning, it was Hamas and Palestine Islamic Jihad was a place they bombed, but it was because they were, remember that? Now it's just, well, they were together. Easy enough now, right? Just lump it together. 
broke through some 30 points along the border barrier. What's interesting is now it says 30 down. It's weird. But it says, asked for comment on the post. The Israeli military replied. Here's the important part. When they asked them, the military, quote, currently the IDF is focused on the ongoing war. We will get to questions of your kind later on. And of course, the prime minister's office did not respond. Really? The Washington Post reaches out to, to explain what you're going through when you go get the hell out of our face? <laughs> that's basically what that means. We'll get to your questions of your kind later. I mean, maybe that's how I take it. Either way, you're just dis- what you're doing is acting like, how did you like, we're obviously in the middle of a war. Stop bothering us is kind of what that meant. That's an interesting way to respond. I just, I don't know why anybody is taking this stuff at face value, you guys. Now, <clears throat> here is John Confino. One of the people we showed you was was honored to be in the special screening and came out with all of the written, here's what we saw, which is, okay, well, a bunch of text on Twitter, which we can't verify. I, it's just, here, after what we just went through, all of which we can prove, here's what he just said. Now, this is an older clip, but realize this is what he was saying about all of this, showing you the kind of person that they invited who is now repeating exactly what they were told to say, in my opinion. Absolutely. I spoke to... Um... An acquaintance of mine yesterday who has now been drafted to the army, he was in Kfar Aza, the kibbutz border community next to Gaza, which was hit by Hamas infiltration. He was on the scene and he described some of the atrocities that he saw. And it was just un- indescribable, really, the beheadings of babies that we have heard that has also been confirmed now, beheadings of women. Chopped- confirmed. Confirmed. I'm, right, I mean, he literally said that. After this, it it was walked back. So these people should not be credible. If you're saying stuff like that about something that we have, at the very least, is not confirmed, these are not credible people. And that's likely why they got invited. Hands, uh, I apologize for the language, but this is the truth. And burned families, families that were burned alive. Oh, yeah. Was that what happened? Or were they shot by Hellfire missiles or shelled? Or your people admit that they were killing hostages? inside their homes, elderly executed. He said, if I stop stop and think about what it is that I'm seeing right now, I will not be able to continue to cope as a human. You get the point. It's just a rattling off of all the things, most of which have now been shown to at least be unverified, if not proven to be false. But that's what these people are here for. <clears throat> now, here's another interesting overlap. Right. So here, this is one of the largest Gaza's main hospital where there are, I think, hundreds of thousands of people stored. This guy even has the nerve to CC the UN while Israel is literally targeting UN facilities. And nobody seems to care about that. Not especially not this guy. Hen Mazig. He says breaking. It's now confirmed. I love how bad these people are at their jobs. It's now confirmed that Hamas's operational headquarters is stationed underneath this hospital. You know why it's confirmed because israel said so here's the video let's just watch let's watch the video first so okay we got a like a it looks like a computer generated shot location in gaza showing you the general complex okay here's the complex and now they see okay so you got red spots they're going that that's hamas right there oh is it it looks just like another part of the building to me Right. I mean, it's not it's not like the uninitiated. Like, it's not like anybody like I mean, let's put it this way. Maybe some kind of expert could be like, oh, I can tell that's this or that. 
But let's be real, guys. You could zoom in all you want. That just looks like another section of anywhere else that's not colored in red, anywhere in that picture. All they're simply doing is saying, this is what we know, and we're telling you is that, that we can't prove, and quite frankly, that image does nothing to accurately show. Why do people fall for this stuff? This is no different than them claiming Iran's making nuclear weapons that now even the United States has walked back. I mean, it's just getting, it's ridiculous. Or 40 beheaded babies. All these different arguments that were not accurate. So this is what he's saying is confirmed. So make a note. He's not real. He's not honest or he's bad at his job. That's all it is. I mean, just look at the picture. He's saying Hamas underground complex. Is it, I mean, okay, so you're showing a red circled piece of the surface and saying that's an underground complex. Why do you act like that proves anything? So we're supposed to believe that there is something down there? So the main point is, so now when they bomb this major area that, that hundreds of thousands of people are sheltering in and kill untold amounts of civilians, they're going to go, well, Hamas, human shields, right? Because the U.S. said it was a valid target now, which is what they did, and we'll get to it. That's all you get. How embarrassing. Where are all the honest people? In you know that don't exist in the corporate conversation. That's why they're in those positions. Manufacturing consent. What I said was confirmed equals Israel said. They have verifiably lied numerous times already. That, <clears throat> that building also houses hundreds of thousands of civilians unable to relocate because his argument is, well, they should get out of the way. Guys, the reason they're there is because they're disabled, elderly, broken legs, missing legs and arms because of Israel's in the shooting and or incubator babies. Or people on ventilators. I mean, on and on and on. The UN is screaming about this. And they bomb those locations too. They're trying to rationalize the genocide that's taking place. I said, when they target this location, the excuse given above will be cited by those whitewashing war crimes and genocide. This person responds, are you seriously saying you don't believe Hamas based themselves in hospitals? School? Did I say that? Show me where I said that, right? The point, this is how ridiculous people are. What I said was, what you're pointing at is something that we can't verify, that Israel's verifiably lied many times. This, I, said, I said, what is naive is assuming, and then presenting that as fact. Grow up. Too many ridiculous people out there. Now, here's what Israel, the actual Israel account, is putting forward as the proof. Now, let's not forget, guys, already from this same group, they've put out video or an audio recording that has been proven to be a manufactured lie. Proven. Even the BBC's own experts said this was not Gazan dialectic, and they actually recorded these in separate locations and then put it together as one recording. That was what they... Everybody... Re, this is ridiculous that we can't keep a handle on this. And then, of course, where was all the rest of them? That should have been huge news. Israel faked this recording, and it, but nobody cared other than independent media. Well, here's another one. This is the, now the third or fourth one. I don't know why we would believe any of this. It says the IDF has now released visual and audio materials which prove Hamas has stolen and is using humanitarian resources for its terrorist activities. Let's start with the Shifa Hospital. They're trying to go after this, guys. One of the biggest medical centers which is being used as a terror operations base. It says, listen to a phone call between two Gazans confirming. Let, let's realize, as we've already proven to you, they don't use phones in the six. They, they've already been verified to make sure they don't do this because this exact thing would happen. They use coded exchanges. This has been acknowledged by people that have been covering the story for decades. 
Robert was one of the people that told me this and we investigated and there's a direct site from somebody on the ground who said that's ridiculous. Not only do they not use phones, but here's how they commute. We already covered an article. So we're supposed to pretend that they execute one of the most sophisticated break-ins that they circumvent all of their control and then just get on the phone and go, hey, let's do this. I mean, they think we're this stupid. They are manufacturing consent to murder people in a hospital right now. And here, what Jackson Inkle said, more fake audio clips from the terrorist state of Israel. I agree. Well, here is so you can see that this is being influenced. All of what we're seeing. Jake Shields reporting Israel is paying influencers to make videos showing support. Could you imagine selling your soul for $2,000? Thousands of kids are dying and these cowards will pledge support for a small amount of money. I'm reaching out to you on behalf of a global collective of agencies and influencers. All they're saying is our group has created a library of explainer videos that can be used directly. So we've made videos that you can post to pretend that you made them. That's what they're saying. Using hashtags, Hamas is ISIS or stand with Israel. Hamas is ISIS. That's why we're seeing this. And the top creators, as they're citing in their email to people to get them to post this, Kim Kardashian, Madonna, Gal Gagat, Casey Nestet, Amy Schumer, Kylie Jenner, Jerry Seinfeld. So these people are, are willfully sharing something as their own because they paid them to. And more examples. And my point is, this is everywhere. People are getting this and then sharing it. It says Israel offers an influencer $5,000 to post a propaganda video to his 3 million TikTok followers. He says no amount of money can get him to do this and shouts free Palestine. It's all over the place. They're getting caught. They don't care though. <laughs> now, here are some examples of what might be that or could just be average Israelis that are just that bad of people. I don't know. Anybody making fun of either Israeli suffering or Palestinian suffering is a disgusting human being because both are happening. Here, Sarah Wilkinson points out, TikTok trends shows Israelis dressing like Palestinians to make fun of their children's deaths. This is Israel. This is, the, this is the level they live at, she says. Now, I don't believe that's everybody in Israel. I believe that's Zionists, for sure, and a lot of Israeli Jews that have been manipulated by Zionists, but I think there's a lot of people in Israel that don't believe this, as we often point out. But either way, the point is, it's everywhere. And we just showed you this one. Al Jazeera points this point. Videos of Israeli content creators making fun of Palestinians suffering Without water. It's just despicable. Getting their children to make fun of them. I mean, again, that is a bad person, guys. You're gross. You treat these people like they're lesser human beings. You get the point. How disgusting. There have been reports of accounts that posted about suffering in Gaza. And they flag them, take them down, right? They're allowing you to make fun of people being murdered, but they won't allow you to post things that are support Palestine. Big surprise. Heidi Ann Moore points this out, and this is something that Orwell's been really sending me a lot of, and this is something that is, I mean, it's, it's something I haven't touched on yet, but it's, it's really alarming to see how much they're trying to go after people. They being just anybody in his positions of power, anybody that is now taking anyone, let's put it this way, anybody in a position of authority or influence that is taking the position that Palestine matters. 
or that Palestinians has civilians too, as we've already continued to show you, is being dis- they're being called terrorists. They're being called Hamas-supporting, murdering, anti-Semite terrorists, and then being flogged in public. I mean, we're crazy. I mean, obviously I'm joking, but being removed from public society, being locked, kicked out of their jobs and getting their kicked out. I mean, levels that you wouldn't believe. So Heidi N. Moore points out, let's create a thread of companies and institutions that are currently engaged in McCarthyism and blacklisting of reporters, political staffers, authors, or anyone else. <clears throat> this is why I love what I do and the position I've created for myself that I'm, I mean, people will sure as hell try. I see myself as sort of cancel proof, right? I mean, bring it on. I, I will always tell the truth and I'll talk about this stuff as best I can with the best of intentions, but I'm not attached to any kind of big organization I, or donation based in general. I mean, I'm sure they've already tried and they're continuing to try to take down people's bank accounts and so on. That's going to come regardless. But the point is there are people that, you know, have positions they care about positions. I mean, in the sense that not that I don't care about this, but like that they are in, that they don't have control over They're, uh, you know, p- academia people that are professors, people that are teachers, people that are, you know, that just happen to go free Palestine. They get removed from their position. I mean, that not only is that completely inconsistent with the lies our government tells us about free speech, but it, as always, moments ago, it was Russia. Now it's you Palestine. I mean, it's just absurd how hypocritical these people are. She says, listen, we need to actively push back against companies and institutions that are doing these firings. Now she breaks this down. And goes over, please look at this and understand what which groups are attacking who and for what reason they're trying to remove people for even having this opinion. And it's not pro-Hamas. It is simply Palestinians matter. They're not allowing that, which shows you everything. Now here is one of these examples. Actually, I mean, you should just go with this one first. Here's Harvard. Interestingly enough, siding with these people, which good for them. Harvard creates a task force for doc students amid backlash over Israel's statement. Or maybe it just got so egregious that they couldn't they couldn't let it keep happening. They might, you know, I mean, it might look bad for them, essentially, if it gets exposed that they're not protecting their own students. I don't know. Either way, they're essentially creating a force to protect them as they get docs, which is what's happening, which is what this next thing is. It says, don't worry, Harvard. Adam Gillette here, president of Accuracy and Media. Right. Make sure you know who he is, because he's sure as hell trying to get people attention that that, who simply stand with Palestine. Right. He says, don't worry, Harvard. We haven't forgotten about the anti-Semites on your campus. Like, why do people like this feel like it's their job to go after people? Right. Cover your stories right in your corporate, your media. You're literally trying to ruin people's lives under a lie you're saying about what they're doing. You're despicable, man. This is a disgusting human being who may just think they're doing right, but I don't care. Right? You're gross. You're a bad person who is being completely egged on by people around the world who are driving from a place of hate. You are going after people that are protecting human life. I mean, I'm not going to say everyone. Maybe somebody out there doesn't and you accidentally get right. The point is most of these people are pro-human life. They want to protect Palestinians. And you are making them out to be hateful when you are a hateful person. It says starting today, accuracy and media will visit them with billboards at their homes. Random average people. Pretty sure that's crime. Then they can explain to their neighbors why they don't like Jews. Oh, is that what they're saying? You ridiculous human being? No, they're saying, I support Palestine. You've somehow contorted that into hating Jews because you're ridiculous. As always, we will never share private addresses. Oh, but you'll but you'll literally drive around their 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 residential neighborhoods with billboards of who they are. Everybody in their neighborhood knows who that is. This guy is a clown. And you, I hope this person gets legally held accountable for what they're doing. Kez Lavar points out, 
taking protest to people's homes are not appropriate and undercut the morality of your point, which there isn't any, quite frankly, based on what the reality is of what he's doing, going after people that aren't saying they hate Jews because he wink, wink, believes that's what they mean or doesn't care. Accuracy in media, my ass. It says, except for official residences of elected leaders, this is never a good fair tactic. He then goes on to say, we're not protesting at their homes. Instead, our trucks will help amplify their anti-Semitic message to their neighbors. <laughs> this is the kind of wishy-washy, blind... I mean, this is the kind of sidestep we're seeing Israel do. No, no, we're not collecting punishment. We're not murdering civilians. We're going after Hamas. If they happen to be there, that's where it goes. Really? You're not protesting at their homes as you go to their homes with a billboard? Ridiculous. As he literally points out, we will visit them at their homes. At their homes. We're not protesting at their homes. The guy's ridiculous, man. I think it's because he may think there's a legal accountability there. But he goes, correct. We do not protest. That's what he's trying to say. We merely send a billboard amplifying their message. <laughs> merely, and it's just, it's so insulting the way that they think they can get away with this. And I'm talking about anybody who would act in this way. Anybody. The point in always doing that is somebody out there would love to try to make that out to be any about the Jews or about just even Zion. I'll say Zionist if I mean Zionist. In this case, I just mean anybody who would go this far to attack somebody because they have a different political opinion. You're the problem, Adam. That's the reality. Exactly. He is the racist. It's how this thing works. They're acting like you're the racist while they're the ones explicitly acting in a racist fashion. Now, here is one of the reasons that they're probably going after Harvard. And this is not racist. This is a factual law-based revolt or protest. So it's a video of a man coming to speak literally about, where was it right here? The legal strategy, the legal strategy for Israeli settlements. You know, the United Nations world-renowned illegal settlements that even the United, even the United States says they're illegal. And they literally try to give a speech about the, le the legal strategy for something that is inherently illegal, no matter how you stare at it in the light. And so they rightly protested. Oh, maybe I was just going to show it here. No, I thought I had that. Hold on. It's not this one. Hold on. Oh, there it is. It is right there. I am very glad to be Harvard. I mean, you got to love this, right? He's not expecting that. I'm happy to be here, and they'll get up and walk out holding signs saying racist this and illegal settlements. Good for them. Because it is, guys. I mean, this is this is an objective reality. It's not insulting. It's not anti-Jewish. It's not anti-Zionism. It's not anti-Israel. To point out a fact that these are illegal. They held signs that read, settlements are a war crime. They are. As they walked out from the hole leaving it nearly empty and now they're attacking harvard what do you know right it's almost like there's a personal agenda here that has nothing to do with anything they're claiming it has to do with now more of this is happening all around the world this is from a uh, this is the hold on just to get it get his title exact the head of the opposition chairman of the Yesh Adid party in Israel. He says, I met a short time ago with the chancellor of Austria. 
During our meeting, the chancellor told me that following the attack on Israel, they're really trying to nail this like 9-11. It's, it's not. He decided, other than the fact that we're being lied to and the government was involved. Yeah, maybe it is. He decided that any person who shouts, quote, from the sea to Jordan, which ultimately is from the sea to Jordan, Palestine, from the sea to, or it's from, from Jordan to the sea, Palestine will be free. That's what it's supposed to be. That does not mean anything about attacking Jews or, I mean, ultimately the inherent point is that Israel would no longer be Israel because it is an illegal occupation and Palestine being free would ultimately mean that they have their territory back and they make that out to be some genocidal attack on Israel as they're literally genocidally attacking Palestine right now. It's just so frustrating. But it says, which is seen as a call to murder Israelis. Not really. That's how you frame that. In the streets of Austria will be considered to have committed a criminal offense. So much for free speech didn't exist in the first place in these places. Criminal offense. So you can't even say from the sea to Jordan at all, in any context, apparently. You'll be brought before a court and charged with a criminal offense. <laughs> My God. Well, oh, and, and by the way, Florida orders universities to deactivate pro-Palestinian groups. Not pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian. The Look, I don't know where you stand in all the fake illusion of our elections or not. DeSantis is just another player in the game, guys. It's unreal. They're all pro-Israel blindly, as, as just like every single person in our political spectrum. The bottom line is this is illegal. It's a violation of your rights. It's a violation of law. It's a violation of the Constitution. You can't just go, you're not allowed to have this group, this pro-Palestinian. That is wild. But it shows you exactly what they really are. So in one good thing, all these people are showing their true colors. Wait a minute. I thought I had to uh, make sure I didn't miss it. Oh, it's right there. I should have organized this differently. I'm going to get to the from the river to the sea part in a second. I just want to explain that. But Alan McLeod points out, and this is what I was talking about earlier, a UK university now has canceled a lecture by Jewish-Israeli historian Avi Shalom, one of the country's most prominent intellectuals, because they feared he would be too critical of Israel, which he will be, because he because that's the reality. He simply has the courage to state the reality. Historian criticizes spineless cancellation of Israel lecture. Complaints from Jewish community prompt Liverpool hope to pull the plug. So it just shows you how people are cowed along by the, the loudest screaming voices. Even when you're at a, at a university, which used to be the claim is that it's all about exchanging ideas. Not that one, though. That's how this works. Now I wanted to play. I, mean, I think I just added it one second here. I wanted to play that clip from him really quickly since we mention it. This one, I'll, I'll just play. Actually, I'll play both these. Uh, Zionism is racism. Israel cannot be both. Israel is either a racist Jewish state or it's a democratic state for everybody. And that's what I would like Israel to be. I'd like a democratic solution, one state with equal rights for um, uh, all its inhabitants. Uh, your organization, Human Rights Watch, issued a report last year uh, about Israel, mm -hmm. and the conclusion was it is an apartheid state. And, and there are four major human rights groups in the last two years mm -hmm. who issued similar reports reached the same conclusion. Israel mm -hmm. is an apartheid state. So apartheid is racism. Apartheid is discrimination. But Israel is the only member of the United Nations that I know which is officially racist. And I say this because of the uh, July 2018 nation-state law, 
which says the Jews have a unique, unique right to self-determination mm -hmm. in Israel. Unique <laughs> means exclusive. Yes. It means Arabs have no right to self-determination. Mm -hmm. It means even if Arabs became a majority, mm -hmm. they would still have no right to self-determination. Mm. So but most certainly Zionism is a, um, is a racist ideology mm -hmm. and it is largely responsible for the Anakba that has unfolded throughout the last century and continues today. That's one, and then this one as well. Iraqi Jews were convinced that Israel had a hand in uprooting them. After the 1948 war, there was mounting popular hostility towards the Jews in Iraq. Five bombs exploded in Jewish sites. The series of bombs created a panic which led more and more Jews to register to leave the country. I met an elderly friend of my mother's, uh, an Iraqi Jew called Yaakov Karkukli, who had been in the Zionist underground. One member of his group, Yosef Basri, a very, very intelligent uh, Jewish lawyer, and his assistant, Shalom Saleh Shalom, were responsible for three out of the five bombs. Basri's controller was an Israeli intelligence officer named Max Binet, who was based in Tehran. Right? And this is why they don't want him to speak, because you can't hear those things right now. Right. The fact that Zionists were literally not only he's telling you Zionism is racism, but he's telling you that they bombed their own or what they would tell you today are their own people. They bombed the Jews in Iraq in order to manipulate them into getting what they wanted. We talk about the Lehigh Party, like the, 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 the historical reality behind Zionism that shows you that they're capable and responsible for many of the things that they blame on the people that they're pointing at. Now, here is what this actually means. Why are some governments trying to ban this Palestinian chant? And what does from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free actually mean? Wait, wait, did you hear that? That chant for Palestinian freedom is being criminalized by some European governments. Police in Austria banned a demonstration because they said the chant is incitement to violence. The UK's interior minister even said that it's a call for the destruction of Israel. And in 2018, Mark Lamont Hill was fired by CNN because he dared to say this at the UN. A free Palestine from the river to the sea. So what does freedom from the river to the sea actually mean? And do the... Right, because you can't have anybody with integrity at corporate media, right? These people really want to wipe Israelis off the map. Okay, first, let's break down the chant. The river they're talking about is this, the River Jordan. And the sea, that's the Mediterranean. In between those two bodies of water, seven million Palestinians live under Israeli rule. The whole of that land used to be historic Palestine. And now all of that territory is controlled by Israel. Actually, we get some unexpected help explaining this from former Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak, who said this in 2010. 
As long as in this territory west of the Jordan River, there is only one political entity called Israel, it is going to be either non-Jewish or non-democratic. If this block of millions of Palestinians cannot vote, that will be an apartheid state. There are around 3 million Palestinians living in the West Bank and around 2.3 million in the Gaza Strip. In both of those areas, Palestinians can't vote in the state that rules their lives. Israel rules over them under a military occupation. That means the Israeli army controls almost every aspect of their lives, banning them from accessing their land, forcibly evicting them from their homes, telling them when and where they can travel. Sometimes they're not even allowed to visit a neighboring town. And there are around another 1.6 million Palestinians living in what is now Israel. Although many of them have Israeli passports and they can vote, they don't have equal rights. And we'll get to it. This is where they're currently bombing and have killed over 100 people in the West Bank. Right. I mean, it's and, and ro- roving gangs of Israeli settlers are just killing people at will, as even the corporate media is recorded about. But yeah, democracy. Palestinians living in Gaza, the West Bank and Israel all live under a system of apartheid, according to Israeli and international human rights organizations and UN experts. That means they live under a system that discriminates against them just because they were born Palestinian. The people forcibly evicted from this land to make way for the state of Israel. What Ehud Barak was saying was that the Zionist project of a state of Jewish supremacy that rules all of the land between the river and the sea can never be a democracy. Why? Because if in the apartheid state that Israel has created, Those 7 million Palestinians living under Israeli rule got equal rights and votes. Well then, Israel's Jewish supremacist system would be democratically ended. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free is not an attack on Jews. It's an attack on apartheid. It's a demand for equality, to give Palestinians their basic human rights wherever they live in that chunk of Israeli-controlled territory that lies between the river and the sea. Well done. I mean, it's exactly the reality, guys. I'm not familiar with that person, but it's well done. I mean, and and on top of that, guys, let's realize that it doesn't have to mean even that, like, the, the classic statement is to get their land, the territory back. But a lot of Palestinians at this point just want to be able to live with their own self-determination. Or as we'll get to him in a minute again, I forget his name off the top of my head, but it's a great clip again today. All they're asking for from the Palestinian, not Hamas, but again, as I keep pointing out, which I, I feel is compromised, but doesn't mean everybody involved is for the Palestinian Authority or the PLO with different things, but same point, arguing all they want is equal application of international law. Think about how obvious that is. It's not happening. And amazing that people that act like this is all a democracy don't care about that. Well, here's another point to see. If you, if, and this is something that they don't care about. Right. So you're allowed you're not allowed to say from the river to the sea. Or from 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 Jordan, or, you know, what, from River Jordan from the sea or however they're saying it. The point is, if you come up and say Israel will be free from the river to the sea, that's OK, though. And I'm not lying that, that that's OK to show you how completely one sided and ridiculous all this is. And just in case you were missing it, here's where you can look through the people online saying that right now. The Israel bulldozer, the, it, once Israel bulldozes Gaza into the sea, Israel will be free from the river to the sea. Look at that. That's okay, though. 
blah, blah. I mean, it's the same. It's just so insulting how obvious this is. And here's Dan Cohen, again, showing you Israel's are sharing on social media an image of a military bulldozer raising all of Gaza into the sea. They want genocide, right? But Palestinians aren't allowed to say it when all they're calling for, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but largely calling for liberation, self-determination. This, in reverse, is in fact calling for murder. That's what we have to understand. Now, here is an example of that. And uh, Anna Ludomska points out, this is a, the, where was it again? Oh, dang it, I, closed, I had the, the person's name here. Shoot. Well, this is a rep- an Israeli representative saying, we still have not revenged in a biblical way. We did not burn Gaza to ashes immediately. Create a tremendous humanitarian crisis, level the entire area. Do not leave a stone upon stone in Gaza. Gaza needs to turn to Dresden. They've made this reference before. Annihilate Gaza now. Oh, it's Moshe Fenglin right there. How did I miss that? This is Zionism. I agree. This guy is belligerent. He is a lunatic. He's a zealot on main, mainstream TV. This is my point. This is not some fringe opinion. This is a la- mainstream opinion of the Zionist lunatics. All of them. Not just Hamas. All of them. And it's always been that way. It's not just from the seventh forward. That's what you need to understand. People are so uninformed about this topic. Now, what's interesting is the no stone upon a stone It's sort of a religious prophecy statement to a degree. As I understand that it comes from Matthew 24, 1 to 2. Sort of, it's more about a temple in regard to the Bible and how they claim that that was a failed prophecy because there are still stones stacked, essentially. But to say it in this case, I believe it's making a different statement, possibly about the temple uh, dome of the rock conversation. Either way, we need to realize that this is a religious kind of connotation. And that's even Lindsey Graham made that clear. Only for one side, we need to understand. There's not some, they want to make this about religious fanatics. Now, Hamas does have an element of that, but most Palestinians are very clear that it's not what this is about. It's about their own self-determination. But as usual, as we're beginning, hopefully to see, one side makes it about the other side when it's really what they're doing very clearly. This person points out, he actually quotes from an actual internationally recognized Nazi. Now, I don't, it's, it's debatable whether it was more towards the religious side of it, but you can see, and it could just be that the, the, the Nazi was making the same reference. But here's a Nazi, Himmler speaking. Yeah, it was Henrik Himmler saying, the city must completely disappear from the surface of the earth and serve only as a transport station for the whatever that, that means. I forget. I think it's a derogatory term. No stone can remain standing. Every building must be raised to its foundation. <laughs> Excuse me. That is an interesting overlap. Zionist, as many point out, Zionism and Nazism are kind of two sides of the same coin. As we have, let's not forget, the Lehigh Party, as I think I have been here somewhere, tried to align with the Nazi Party twice and then went to Stalin. And then eventually went, you know, and this, is, this is my point about what these people really are. Not, Jew, not Jewish people, not Judaism, Zionism, which is very different. That's not just some clumsy sidestep as they'd like to make it out to be. It's a very clear distinction, as you guys know. We've broken this down on the show many times as we're actively trying to help people that are manipulated by Zionism which is including Jewish people or anybody else being manipulated, including Orthodox Jews that get beat up by them all the time in Israel. Now here is Yehuda Shual pointing out, these days in Israel, the response to Hamas's brutal massacre calls to ethnically cleanse Gaza, deliberately targeting civilians on a mass scale and other dehumanizing language have become common, as we've shown you endlessly. Here's just more examples. Here are a few examples of the disclosure over just the last few days. Now please look through this all. The point is, 
They're all in the same. And these are journalists in Israeli Hebrew saying, if we, if all the captives are not returned immediately, then turn the strip into a slaughterhouse. So that means then you would want to kill the captives. Like, so it shows you this is about you winning, getting that them back because that means you win, not ultimately because you care about those civilians' lives. How else do you frame that? <laughs> and it says execute security prisoners. So that means kill all the civilians they have been holding for years. This one says Gaza has to be wiped off the face of the earth. Another journalist. It's time for Nakba 2. Another journalist and a politician. Guys, this is crazy. You're not, this is a one-way street right now. Bring down buildings, bomb without distinction, stop with the impotence. You have ability. This is worldwide legitimacy, right? They believe some of these extremists believe that because the US and the rest of them are blinding themselves to the atrocities. Flatten Gaza without mercy. Member of the Likud party. I mean, it's on and on and on. Now, as somebody in the chat points out, Zionism is Jewish supremacy. I mean, I quite frankly disagree with that. That's what I was trying to say before. That is the, the lie that's being sold. Now, look, to be very clear, there is a distinction to be made, right? Because that does then translate to people that are Jewish extremists, ultimately. People that are believing that the Zionist mentality is about Judaism. The point, though, is the lie is that it's about Judaism. This is what the Orthodox Jews of Torah Judaism and others are trying to make clear. Zionism is not Judaism. It is using the religion to manipulate the Jewish people. Right? So that's what we have to understand. So I, I pointed out the other day when somebody I don't want to mention made that point about how this is the newest religion. It's like, come on, it's all it's not first of all, it's not a religion and it's not new. We have to understand the reality of this. But you're right to point out though that there is a level of that as a which is what they're creating. And those are the people you hear on the street that say we have to murder all Palestinians and all Arabs. Right? That's my point. But I do think that's a really important distinction right there. I hope you guys get what I'm saying there because it's super important to understand that the Zionists don't, I don't believe at the top, truly believe the, 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 the Judaism concept of what they're manipulating. I think it's really about their own supremacy as the Zionist agenda, personally. But again, I'm not in their heads, so you guys can decide for yourselves. <clears throat> but Dan Cohen, as I pointed out, re references this in March. Then we retake Gaza. Hardline minister hails repeal of West Bank disengagement. and makes clear that it will come along with many casualties. Interesting how so many months later, this literally played out. Here's a Mondo Weiss article from the October 23rd. Israel think tank lays out a blueprint for the complete ethnic cleansing of Gaza. The 23rd. The Israeli think tank with ties to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu issued a report on the 17th. Ten days after this, promoting the, quote, unique and rare opportunity for the relocation and final settlement of the entire Gaza population. It's so obvious. And Netanyahu lies and says, you can go back to your homes while they're planning to move them into Egypt, which is what they've already tried and which is what they're now trying to manufacture this into. Acting like, we're okay, fine, we'll let them, we try to save them. Move them over there, which is probably one of the most one of the points of what they were trying to accomplish, as this makes clear. It says after this article was originally published, this is the update, by the way. Here's the full article, but just the update says after this, the day later, the Israeli outlet Kalkalist uh, reported on a separate plan for the ethnic cleansing of Gaza that is being circulated by Israeli intelligence ministry headed by Gila Gamil, uh, Gamliel. The leaked document was reportedly created for an organization called the Unit for Settlement. Gaza Strip that was not meant for the public. 
It's the, in the plan being proposed by the intelligence ministry, so it's directly from the government, Palestinians in Gaza would be displaced from Gaza into the northern Egyptian Sinai Peninsula. Interesting, which is what they've already been trying to nudge for, and Egypt doesn't want it to happen. The point is, guys, this is clearly not what we're being told. This is a war crime, no matter how you spin this. Ethnic cleansing is a war crime. The only way they're making sense of this is to pretend like they get to go back. They're not. This is slaughter. Genocide. Now, we recently talked about this whole point. The world is beginning to see the true face of Zionism and apparently the collective West that's blindly going along with it. It's an important discussion that I highly recommend you listen to. But I wanted to include this because the Palestinian resistance recently reiterated this. Many news outlets were reporting about the inspiring story of a 95-year-old Israeli reservist, Ezra Yashin, returning for duty. But they go on, who is he? Right? They do a huge breakdown of this. We already covered this, though. Read this, though. You do a great job breaking this down. I'll just also include Dan Cohen's tweet, making a very quick point of this. He was a member of the Lehigh Party, the Zionist terrorist group that twice, twice attempted to ally with Nazi Germany. On the record, you can look it up on Wikipedia, and sought to find a copycat fascist state. On July 11, January 11, 1941, Vice Admiral Ralph von, uh, von der Marwitz, the German naval attache in Turkey, filed a report conveying an offer by Lehe to actively take part in the war on Germany's side. That is Zionism for you. It simply decided to go in a different direction to control people. That's what we have to understand. He's the one out there, this guy here, talking about wiping them off the map and killing all of them. Not just Hamas, Palestinians. He's very clear about that. We just have to be able to see it. It's right in front of us. Now here in general, as I keep showing you, are a lot of people around the world, both Jewish and otherwise, that are standing up for the fact that this is murder, genocide. It does not matter what happened in Israel when, to, when we're dealing with civilians. The lies we're being told about what's going on with Hamas is just simply whitewashing what's happening to Gaza civilians, to Palestinians. Right, the reason I say it doesn't matter is because it obviously matters, but not in the context of weighing what happened here to justify bombing civilians no matter what. It's weird how they're saying the exact same thing in reverse. Where it's not about the equivalency. Well, that's the point. You're acting like because this atrocity happened that you can just wholesale murder people. That's why the 40 headed babies argument was put out. The bottom line is Hamas is who you're talking about. And even now we're beginning to find out that many of the deaths were taken, were, people were killed by Israeli forces. So my point is that there's a standing here to recognize that they're in the wrong, potentially for the entire damn thing. And Jewish Voices for Peace are speaking up. Last week, they were able to chip, at, to chip at the Western media's wall of silence surrounding the Palestinians. The point is they've been speaking up all over the place. As you saw recently, they had a huge protest inside the Capitol. The point is there's people all around the world that are not being given voices. Jewish people, Palestinians around the world speaking up. And all you're, getting hear, all you're hearing from are the extremists who control the narratives. This is uh, uh, Ahmed Al-Anak, <clears throat> who had his family killed. In the recent bombings, my brothers and sisters in the Jewish community, please feel empowered to follow suit. Ariel is a wonderful voice for peace. We, sh- we support her and encourage you to speak up. This is Ariel Gold saying my Jewish values don't include slaughter, collective punishment, the intentional starving of people, ethnic cleansing, genocide. My Jewish values cry out, cease fire now. But of course, she'll be called a, ha- a anti-Jew terrorist, anti-Semite somehow because of that, even though that's the most logical human-based argument. Sorry, guys, I'm having some 
coughing issues. <clears throat> but he says, then again, this is not a religious war. This is a struggle for justice, a struggle for peace against a regime which wants to destroy our collective humanity. Now, let's not forget, Lindsey Graham himself said religious war and we're on Israel's side. Terrifying. Let's not forget, by the way, Ben Shapiro in this tweet attacks and denigrates the Jews in these pictures protesting below. Oh, I said below because here. The same people we're talking about. He attacks the Jews in this picture. Why? Who dare to simply call for a ceasefire? Since they apparently care about the over 1,000 children, now over 2,000 children who have been killed in Gaza for disagreeing with his belligerent stance. These are Jewish people protesting for a ceasefire. And Ben Shapiro has the nerve to call them trash. Useful idiots for Hamas. Plus, these trash people. Like, think about how hypocritical, how despicable it is for somebody who is acting like anybody who has a different opinion is a hating Jewish people who then goes on to attack and hate Jewish people because they have a different opinion. This man, I, this guy should have lost all credibility just from this topic so far, which it seems his own audience is beginning to go after it. But the bottom line is, guys, this is what it looks like to be inconsistent, to be a manipulator. Now, Solomon Ahmad points out families of Israeli prisoners of Hamas have been attacked by other Israelis for simply calling for a ceasefire. Think about how completely backward that is. You have families in Israel who have their family members who are being helped by Hamas, and they're calling for a ceasefire because they know they might be killed if, there's not, if they don't stop the bombing. They're going to kill more hostages if they keep bombing, right? So they go, ceasefire. Then they get attacked by other families of hostages for protesting for a ceasefire. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. Wouldn't you want to stop the bombing because that might kill your family? It's belligerent what's going on, but it's all, it's hateful. It's hate-filled rhetoric that's manipulating people. Now, Ben Shapiro also points out, Biden says, we must, with, you know, after 20 days of indiscriminate bombing, because, you know, that's what courageous people do, we must, without equivocation, denounce anti-Semitism. We must, without equivocation, denounce Islamophobia. To all of you hurting, you belong. You're all America. Interesting. Well, all you really had to say was we denounce hate, right? But you see, what he's trying to do is go, well, I care about both sides. Well, there's not two sides, Biden. You're flimsy and you're transparent. But what's interesting is that it's not still not a disqual. It's still an, a, a positive statement. Even though I don't believe them, he doesn't care about any of this. He's saying they're both bad, which anybody with a, with a heart can say that. If you hate Jewish people for no reason, or rather, if you hate Semites for no reason, which include Palestinians, by the way, or in particular, you're, then you're disgusting. If you hate Arab people or Muslims because you just hate them because of the way they look or what they believe, you're disgusting. Anybody anywhere who has a brain and a heart can say that. If you have irrational hate, you're disgusting. Point is this is what Ben says. They won't stop linking anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. Well, I don't, he doesn't link anything. He just simply recognizes both are hate. That's an attempt to redirect away from the fact that anti-Semitism is predominantly coming from radical Muslims and their allies. Well, you could easily make the same argument reverse and say that Islamophobia is predominantly coming from Israeli sentiment and their allies, right? I mean, but it's just, this guy is so transparent at this point. So what you're really saying is the thing I keep saying. So if we come out and say people died in Israel, and people and innocent people died in Israel. Innocent people are dying in Gaza. Ben would then go, you're a terrorist, and redirect outrage to only one side. 
That's the gross person in that situation. Here he is doing it again. He's saying people who hate this are bad and people who hate this are bad. And he goes, no, it's only the one that matters. You're a child, man. Like really, truly. And I don't believe that he knows what he's doing. That's the scariest part. And Terrence says anti-Semitism and Islamophobia are linked because they come from the same hateful place, Ben. Two sides of a scumbag racist coin, which apparently, I mean, I'll leave it there. That is obviously the right stance. They're both bad. <laughs> it's like it's like saying only why only black lives matter. No, all lives matter. Right? It's the same kind of game. Right now, he's just playing it in a very clumsy way. Fiorel Isabel points out the United States of Israel Senate passes unanimous resolution, unanimous left and right all together, which is the reality of how Israel influences our government, condemning pro-Palestine students, students. Against who are protesting against the Israeli genocide of Palestinians as being anti-Semitic and in solidarity with Hamas, which is certainly the case in some people, but you don't get to dictate what people can think and believe. People are allowed to support Hamas if they want to. For crying out loud, you have people that are support. I mean, you have members of Congress who have argued we should work with ISIS. See how stupid all this is? And by the way, we can prove that you created them and are funding them. But you know, that's for another conversation. Not really, though. But it says the resolution voted by every single member demands all believe Israel has the right to exist and defend itself. It demands encouraging the U.S. government to fully and completely support it. That is belligerent and and very one-sided. It's kind of it's terrifying. And she says, if in case you weren't aware, when you're prevented from criticizing genocide, your country might just be the terrorist supporting state. Well put. Oh, I thought I swear I swore I shared this. Now here is Sky News, or rather specifically Dan Gillerman, making this as clear as anybody can make it. And I, quite frankly, I don't even think he realized what he said. I'll just let it play first. To ask you then about something else he said in his speech, which is about um, the collective punishment, as he put it, of the Palestinian people. And I want to talk about that in the context of the blockade and keeping fuel out of Gaza. I just wonder if you think that that is really necessary. You know, I'm, I'm very puzzled by the constant uh, concern which the world and, uh, and also Britain, I must say, Mark, is showing for the Palestinian people and is actually showing for these horrible, inhuman animals who have done the worst atrocities that this century has seen. And the- oh, this century now. So now that's more, that's more killing that's happened. I mean, that's not even accurate, by the way. And quite frankly, more people have now died on the Gaza side. So it's, everything about this is ridiculous. What he's doing is conflating, as the, as the narrative has desperately tried and failed to do, Hamas with all Palestinians. But I don't even think he real. I mean, it just seems like he doesn't even realize it worst atrocities that Jews have suffered since the Holocaust. I mean, you know, when when the United States reacted to 9-11, I don't remember people shedding tears for the Taliban or Al-Qaeda. Think about that statement. So you see how this is how easy it is to prove either the ignorance or the deception of people in this false position. Let's very quickly break this down. If you're talking about the Taliban, right, the equivalent of this argument would be conflating the Afghani people with the Taliban. You see how easy that is? 
So we didn't we didn't go, oh, we're about the Taliban. But this is the point. If you're going, I'm worried about the rights of Hamas, that would be what he has an issue with. But what he's doing is conflating all the Palestinian people with Hamas. Like his argument would be conflating all of the Taliban or all of the Afghani people with the Taliban. Of course, people were concerned about the Afghani people. You guys weren't. The governments weren't. People were going, what about the civilians? And you guys murdered them too. That's the point. Think see how easy that is? I know most people can see through this right now. Your country, Mark, actually, Britain, actually joined them and even sent your royals to fight in Afghanistan. Against the Taliban, which, by the way, is now still in power, completely supported by, or, you know, truly by the U.S. government, everyone else who left all of the war. I mean, it's ridiculous to pretend you invaded to stop them, and then you make multiple deals with them, have talks with them, and then leave them in power and leave them all the munitions and weaponry, which they're now using. That's exactly what it looks like. When the when Russia when the Ukrainians reacted to Russia's invasion, I don't remember people worrying about the poor Russian soldiers. Ah, you see, he does know he's lying because he said soldiers. Well, so now all Palestinians are soldiers or yes, we did care about the Russian people when bombings and attacks by the Azov movement, which, by the way, still continue into Russia. Bombings in Moscow or assassinations of people in. But nobody cares about that. Point is, of course, we care about civilians on all sides. You are the maniacs who don't. And whether they had enough food. All of a sudden, when it comes but to is Israel, the, is the point... everybody is becoming a great mm. humanitarian. And guess what we did, though? When, when, they, when, they complained, when they called out Russia for cutting off fuel and everything to the people of Ukraine, well, people, the point is today we're making clear that you guys are hypocritical in that stance. You say it's okay in this case, but Russia did it and that was a bad guy, right? They're obvious liars. Totally, you know, totally uh, forgetting yep. what happened two and a half weeks ago, which is unforgettable and unforgiven. Who's forgetting that? See, this is the, in their argument, you cannot have both arguments. You can't say what happened in Israel was disgusting and terrible and should be called out. And then they're murdering people in Gaza. Yes, those two things can exist. But this effort has been rolled out to do, to desperately try to hide this. Here's Dan, Dan, Dan Gilman, in case you didn't know, was Israel's 13 permanent representative of the United Nations. Very clear what's going on here. Now, of course, we're almost at three hours, so I'm going to do my best. I want to get to a couple important videos and sections, but we might not finish everything today. Jonathan Cook points out another journalist has been killed. Many of them have been killed so far. Many journalists have been killed on the ground. And I mean, this is something we don't talk about. They don't include the journalists and the medics and everybody else who are covering this. Don't they have a right to, to self-determine, to freedom and life? Yes, they do. But they're indiscriminately bombing. That's why it's so obvious, because in most war situations, there are areas that are determined to be you know, controlled by bad guys. Then there are the civilian locations. And in every war, at least they pretend to avoid that. And that's why the U.S. is so desperately trying to pretend that that's what they're doing. And, and exposing themselves in the process while we can prove they're not. I'll get to the UN part in a second. The fa a family of an Al Jazeera's chief reporter in Gaza. Oh, it's, first of all, this is the family of him. There's another journalist that was killed. Family of an Al Jazeera, Al Jazeera's chief reporter in Gaza has been killed by an Israeli airstrike. According to Israeli media, they were targeted because Israel didn't like his reporting. This should serve as confirmation if we needed it that the sniper who shot Al Jazeera's reporter, Shireen Abu Akleh, in the West Bank last year received orders to do so. There is nothing accidental about this pattern of Palestinian reporters being killed. I've reported myself from Israeli, one was a general, where they admit they were ordered to do this, both killing children, journalists, medics. 
the governments and people in the media just don't just don't report it. After four, as Derek recently exposed, it's because it hasn't been confirmed by an authority figure, which mean, that means that literally anything important will never be reported until the people responsible for it admit that it happened. Think about how stupid that is. After foreign reporters effectively gave up that rule, Palestinians are the last journalist still documenting Israel's crimes. Here he is, crying over his dead family, which is hor- horrifying. His wife and son and his daughter. Quoted to say, quoted saying, do they want to take revenge on us by going after our kids? Yeah, apparently so. While I'll, uh, I don't want to try to mispronounce his name. I'll just, you guys can read it. Now, here is more of this coming out about Al Jazeera's reporter and the family. Israel targeted the family of Al Jazeera veteran journalist today. Axios had reported earlier that U.S. Secretary of State Blinken asked Qatar's prime minister to tone down this, the, the Al Jazeera coverage. Qatar's assistant foreign minister <clears throat> on the murder of the wife and son. Every, I mean, this happened. Basically, everybody can see this, guys. Anybody honest is reporting about this. Here is a report coming from a. I look. I forgot what this was again. I had it written down somewhere. Oh well. The point is just. It, and the point is the next one is what's important. But this is saying the family of the correspondent was target of the army, which you can prove. This is there. This is the clip. The, I, I've checked, and this is you can. They, this one has tra- uh, transcript on it or. Subtitles. The bottom one doesn't, but that's the original. What it says is they... Hold on. Dang it. Turn this down. Here we go. Hitting one of the heads of Hamas. This is one of the top Hamas officials in his signal attack on Gaza's day right now. We already know that Hamas may not enter. Excuse me. God, man. Something's bothering my throat today. Hold on, I'm just trying to give you the, the one point. Here he is, right there. For example, today, the target was the family, gosh darn it, of this journalist, of Al Jazeera. They literally targeted his family, guys, and they reported this live on TV. You, Biden won't tell you that. In fact, if we bring it up, they'll deny it. But this is blatant. But Israel doesn't target Palestinian civilians, Right. I mean, think about how gross this all is. Al McLeod, again, points out, this is how the world really works, how the media really works. Remember it. Blinken says he asked Cutter to change their report, their coverage. And then they kill his family, probably because he didn't. Read it for yourself. Now, here is another reason likely why. Their their war report continues to show you the reality. 7,000 people killed. At least 3,000 children as of today. Almost 400 elderly. In the West Bank, over 108. Israel, there's 1,405, which is horrible. Civilians, that's disgusting and horrifying. But think about the the complete... It's wildly overshadowed at this point. All of it matters, of course. But we have to recognize what is continuing. There is nothing about self-defense happening anywhere here. It never was, but especially not now. Almost three times the numbers, just children in Gaza compared to the entire number of Israel, half of which were IDF, if not more, or authority. Well, Decentered News points out, Palestine, 700 people killed in the deadliest single-day strike 
since they started. 700 people in one day. Home after home reduced to rubble. Grief is everywhere. Unbelievable scenes from hospitals in the streets of Gaza. Israel continues to massacre defenseless civilians. Hospital, they're treating people on the floor without anesthesia. It's just horrifying what's happening. And here's the Palestinian journalist. uh, Mohammed Farah learned that his wife and children were all killed in Israeli airstrike on their home in Khan Yunus, the place where they were supposed to go to be safe. This is a different one. We have multiple journalists that have been killed. There was already an Al Jazeera, excuse me, a Reuters journalist that was killed in Lebanon. All we can hear are bombs, he says. All we can hear are bombs. That, uh, we are now in hospital and we are going to be live by satellite as much as we can in every single hour. So please, guys, if you can hear us, send that message to the world that we are isolated now in Gaza. Again, guys, if you can hear us, we are isolated in the territory. We don't have any phone signals. We don't have any Internet connections. We found a great difficulty even to communicate and contact with our relatives in different parts of the territory. Even we don't know uh, like how what is the situation on the ground in different areas of the strip. We just only hear bombardment. We don't have any kind of access of communication to anyone. Everyone now is, is really terrified and afraid. Uh, journalists here, every, even the citizens who are inside the hospital, they don't have any access to their networks. They don't have any kind of communication even with their neighbors. There is a, a great uh, problem in the network. So importantly, the hospitals can't. I mean, all of this is absolutely affecting people that aren't part of this. Civilians, children, people that are suffering. The hospitals are completely collapsing. As the Palestinian Red Cross points out, Red Crescent, we have completely lost contact with the operation rooms in Gaza Strip and all of our teams operating there due to the Israeli authorities cutting off all landline, cellular, and internet connections. We are deeply concerned about the ability of our teams to continue providing their medical services. This is a war crime. It doesn't, this has nothing to do with Hamas. You are affecting the idea of, like, this is one of the main protected things about hospitals and schools and medic services. They all know this. Biden and the rest of them, they just don't care. This is deliberate and it is hurting people that have nothing to do with Hamas. We're also worried about the safety of our teams working in Gaza as they continue. I mean, all of their, they're getting bombed, they're getting attacked, they're getting targeted. They've already reported this, that their own people were targeted when they were told to go in. And now as of today, Israel has initiated what Sarah Abdallah is pointing out is the most intense and unprecedented bombardment of Gaza since the beginning of this. Think about that. After what's already been going on, it's, it's the worst it's been today. Completely cutting off communication in the process. How much longer can the world remain silent in the face of ongoing genocide? I guess we'll find out. Now, this is interesting, by the way, a statement of Hamas about Israeli bombardment. Now, I don't know, this is hard, these are kind of things that are difficult to confirm and who it came from with the nuanced situation around Hamas. But it simply says they cut off communications and the internet from the Gaza Strip and escalating the bombing by land, sea, and air on residential neighborhoods, which we can prove. The occupation's intent to commit more massacres and genocides away from the eyes of the press and the world. We hold the occupation, Washington, and the Western capitals that supported it fully responsible. Of course, they'll spin this into being Hamas threatening the West, even though that's not what was said, we're simply pointing out you guys are culpable for the absolute genocide that's taking place. Now, there's a, this ongoing massacre in the city. Here's just a video of children and women being pulled from the rubble of the civilian locations that nobody cares about. Not Hamas, civilians and their civilian residential buildings that continue to be targeted. This was just a video that doesn't seem to load of just ongoing like mass bombings in Gaza. I mean, just look at the look at the sheer volume of that. Actually, I think I've got this here, just so you can see it real quick. Oh, maybe not. In any case, just so you can see how big that is. 
massive bombings across provable residential areas. Here's another one. Video of Gaza bomb released by occupation forces. So the IDF and other forces released this themselves. This is just from yesterday. This is well the 20. So yeah, yesterday. 19 days of massacre, nearly 8,000 people murdered. And just so you can see, they're releasing this and they're proud of it. You can see these are residential homes. <clears throat> Look at that. And also just to show you how much we're seeing, massive onslaught in 20 days of nonstop round the clock. Okay, just so we understand that. Now here is the kind of thing you're seeing reported by Israel in regard to the onslaught of rockets in Israel, which is happening. But just for a comparative point, here's the report we're getting. The breathless reporting about how clearly they're under attack. Rocket launched from Gaza hits an apartment building in Tel Aviv, three injured. That's what you're looking at. Consider that next to this. I mean, come on. And this is the video. The point is, as we know, the munitions are not, as he keeps pointing out, there is no symmetry. It's an occupied territory. These people are limited with what they can do, and they are doing the best they can as they murder everybody in sight in Gaza. Now, here's the Sprinter reports, the unprecedented missile attacks on Tel Aviv. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you can see all of these different rockets flying in, which is a crazy sight. Except that's old. Old video from television. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not from today. It's from October 12th. But it's still interesting. But it's interesting how these are things being reported. And but the bottom line is the comparative, like comparing the two things is not even in the same universe. So it's very sad. Now, here is an expert, an Israeli historian, making sure you know that what you're seeing in Gaza is genocide, which is a legal term. It's an eight-minute video. Please watch it for yourself. We all can see this. Now, here's where we're going to get into an important clip from the State Department, which is just, as I said, staggeringly obvious. Thank you, Orwell, for sending me this. She clipped this out for me. Ceasefire in Gaza now. They're covering up genocide. Watch the mental gymnastics this complete automaton goes through. International law like cutting off water and electricity and fuel. Does the or do the lawyers at the State Department believe that the U.S. is immune from persecution later on when the dust is settling? So um, uh, I would say that we would agree that we oppose collective punishment in any in, in any instance, and that's not what we believe is happening here. We believe that Israel is, as I've said, is conducting legitimate military operations against a terrorist group that embeds itself in civilian populations, that uses civilians as human shields, that puts its um, a military headquarters in schools. In Let's not forget that the United Nations, as Robert reported and proven himself, and this was a while ago, but the United Nations did their own investigation and, and their conclusion was that Hamas, there's no evidence that Hamas used human shields. And again, people like Vanessa Bailey and Dan Cohen and others that are experts on the topic have said that's not true. So they haven't proven it. They just say it all the time. And the UN couldn't prove it. And experts disagree. And what they, they end up doing is saying, well, they're, they're using Palestine. Well, they live in Palestine. It's an open air prison. They can't leave. You're making sure they can't, and that yet you're blaming them for holding them there? That How does that possibly make sense? Now, again, we can prove that Israel has an open policy of using Palestinians, mostly children, when they go to engage with other Palestinians. 
That's a human shield. On top of that, let's realize that there's only one occupier in the conversation. There's an Israeli occupation of Palestine, according to the United Nations. So that means that only one group is then moving in civilians to a current wartime situation, even though we forget about that. That's only one side doing that. That's kind of hard to miss. That does not then mean that those civilians are military targets. But if you reverse the situation, that's what that's what United States and Israel are saying right now. They are because they're human shields. But that's not even true. But by that logic, couldn't you argue that all Israelis are military targets? Well, according to their logic, I would disagree. But that's their logic. Hospitals and residential apartment buildings. Israel has a right and an obligation uh, to do everything it can um, uh, to 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 respond to the terrorist attacks and take on the terrorist organization that launched them. Um, uh, but at, as I've said, they need to do so in a way that protects civilian life to the maximum extent possible. <laughs> one last quick one. Go ahead. Even the maximum extent possible is a really dumb statement. Right. So what that means is we're going to kill some civilians. So we're taking action that we know is going to kill civilians. And we're just going to pretend we're doing it in a way that that minimizes that. I mean, how is that even acceptable? That's not what you're supposed to be doing. And anybody else who even accidentally does so in an adversarial position, you guys will freak out about. It's just it's it's complete double standards. Schools and hospitals and residential apartment um, uh, to 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 respond to the terrorist attacks and take on the terrorist organization that launched them. Um, uh, but at, as I've said, they need to do so in a way that protects civilian life to the maximum extent possible. Okay. One last quick one. Well, I, I, I'm just mystified by that last response. Uh, you oppose collective punishment and you say that that's not what you're seeing here. And yet, Numerous people have said that that is what's going on. Really quickly, I love Matt Lee in this. I love the, the people I always point out in here. Sam is in here. Max is in here sometimes. Site Ericot. The point is, you can clearly see Matt, who is the guy, the, the State Department guy. He's very intimidated by Matt. And I, it's very clear, as even Sam Husseini points out in our interview about this exact topic, that Matt sort of runs the show. Like, he's been there very long. They let him do whatever he wants. He can speak up on any topic, which is that's unique to him. So I find it really interesting. You can t- watch watch what I mean as it goes forward. The guy is very, very intimidated by Matt. Matt just talks over him like nobody else can do that. I think it's hilarious. But he runs him through here. This guy is exposed. And that is that is not an assessment that we have made. Numerous people have said that that is what's going on. And that is that is not an assessment that we have made. Um, obviously, a number of civilians have died. In, in this conflict, and uh, we want right. to see okay. civilians so protected. So, but you, to accept, the, you accept that, of course, of course. And but you you don't accept. I, I just want to make sure because I asked Secretary Blinken about this last week. I said, do you think that they, much like what Saeed's question was? Yeah. Do you think that the Israelis are complying with the international laws of rules of uh, of war? And he said last week well there'll be plenty of time to figure that out at the end but but that's not really what the question is is do you think that they are complying with them now and and we'll figure it out at the end right so we'll wait until they kill everybody and then we'll piece it through right and there's a point that comes up in a minute about the russian discussion let's not forget that they didn't wait 10 seconds to call out russia for war crimes you know where where was the vetted process then it just shows you that this is all a bunch of lies 
They'll say whatever they want to say when it suits their interests. And I am not trying to minimize what happened on October 7th at all. But since you guys have made it a priority to tell the Israelis that it's important for democracies to respect these laws and, 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 and rules, do you think that they are? We have not made so far. We have not, as is consistent with what the secretary said on Friday, we have not made any kind of formal assessment. There are a number of strikes that happened. You would have to look at the facts and the circumstances of every one of those well, strikes. You, well, Hold on, let me it, just, to make, when, to make when, that when kind When is it that you make that kind of determination? I'd say to make that kind of formal assessment. Right now, what we are doing is having conversations with them to ensure that they are conducting the strikes that they're conducting consistent with the laws of war and, and protecting and, and military. And you think that they are? We so have far. not made any kind of formal assessment, but well, it is, but it, hold on, but let me finish. It is our assessment. They are not deliberately targeting civilians. Okay. They are warning civilians um, uh, to get out of harm's way when they're to, to, to. Except they've deliberately bombed UN facilities and killed 53 innocent UN members and the children at their schools. Per, the, per, per Reuters and the United Nations. That's not an accident. Those are deliberate targeted areas that they knew were there that we can confirm they knew were there. Not one that was an accident missile, but numerous buildings, numerous people. They know that they're lying to you. I mean, that one point alone exposes that. But also the churches and the hospitals and the continued bombing of multiple residential areas or the fact that you could prove most everything they're saying is a lie. Think about how disgusting that statement is. This guy knows he's exposed. The way just the way his body language is, my opinion. Because what you're saying is ridiculous. Well, we haven't assessed it, but we know they didn't, but we don't know for sure. Like, it's, 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 it doesn't make sense. Uh, taking a military strike. It is a difficult situation because the point I made about, about Hamas using his human I'm not we have not, anything otherwise. I we, just want to know we have is not, it your assessment that they are right now. We have not made any kind of formal assessment. No, I, I know. I'm, I'm not a, asking I, for a formal I, assessment. But it sounds to me as though you're saying that you guys believe that the Israelis are operating it is, in within so the rules of war they have and launched, humanitarian, so we believe that, humanitarian so law. We, right? They have launched a number of strikes. And to make that, hold on, to make that determination, you would have to conduct an examination of every strike, which obviously we have not done. Those are very fact-specific determinations. Are you really trying to pretend that the only way you can make an assessment is to... to over a war process that can, t- can contain millions of strikes over the process of, like, let's say, a years-long war, that you would argue that until you investigate every individual strike, that you would not be able to determine? I mean, that's just stupid. Because very clearly, they don't wait for that with anybody of their adversaries. So that's just a blatant lie. But that's, in and of itself, like, you're real, are you trying to pretend that you can't acknowledge that some of these actions have clearly not been with international law, even if it's by accident. He, this is just, he, this is one of the first times where this guy has shown to be really bad at his job. He's usually pretty crafty about it, even though he just looks like a liar right? and, and a, you know, like I said, a plastic person, but clearly this is, I, you know what it is? I think it's because there's just an impossible position to defend. You are true. This is why this job is so hard on these people. Most of them deserve it. Because you get stuck in positions where you know you are defending a lie. That, that people here at the State Department would have to make, we have not made that assessment. I will say, 
We do believe that they are not intending to strike civilians, but they're okay. trying to conduct their operations in a way that minimize civilian harm. Okay, and, and what, doesn't that mean then that you think that they are complying? Again, this yes. is, Matt, <laughs> Obviously. it is a legal determination that, that, See, that Matt requires right intense... I'm not asking for a legal I, determination, I, I, but I, if you... If, but, but no, but, but the, the question that you've asked is a legal question that requires a... No, no, you're making it that. He's asking for your opinion. But of course, he'll never do that because the opinion would then be obvious. He's a liar. Legal determination. There are formal assessments the State Department makes to, as to this question, and they require looking at very fact-specific determinations as regards to each strike. We are in the middle of this conflict. We each have not strike. made those, those determinations. What I can say is what, what in our conversations with the Israeli government, they have told us they are trying to minimize civilian harm, and we have impressed upon them the need to do that. Okay, and you believe that they are doing that? We do. Okay. Well, there you go. You got them at least at the end, right? So you just said you believe that they are act, they're acting in every strike, doing the best they can to minimize civilian casualties, which, by the way, then means that they can kill civilians. However you spin that. Same thing the U.S. government does everywhere, including Obama drone strike discussions and post and you know, after that going forward, that we know they killed predominantly civilians with those drone strikes. Nobody cared then. Same thing's going on here. They're just lying about it because they lie about everything. But he made it clear at the end, though, that you on the record that that's what you believe. And you're telling them to do that. So that's all you care. Just please, please do your best not to break the law. I mean, even let's not forget the United Nations, the United, the United States, the UK and one other country already spoke up and urged. That was the word they used, urged Israel to operate with international law. So that means by the definition that you see them currently not doing that. It's just so slimy and gross and obvious what's going on here. They're just dishonest people. Hold on, I lost my place. Here we go. So here is, I've got one more clip on him as well. But here somebody points out, as he's saying all this, Daniel Hagari saying, we are dropping hundreds of tons of bombs on Gaza. The focus is on destruction, not accuracy. Right? And of course, I wouldn't just go off a screenshot. What am I, the Twitter files? Nah, we've already shown you this. It's right here on The Guardian. Emphasis is on damage, not accuracy. I mean, my God, that is obvious. They don't care that we see it. They, 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 just, they just know that the U.S. officials are going to tow their line for them as they say whatever they want. We're murdering people. We're going to destroy it all. We don't care about accuracy. At the very least, it's not our focus. But how are you going to pretend that you're doing your best to not kill civilians when your focus is not about accuracy? This is how obvious it all is, and it's so infuriating. Here's the other clip. So you were able to quickly determine that Russia was hitting civilians, but you couldn't determine with Israel? Exactly. Within 30 seconds, they called them war criminals. They said they were murdering civilians, murdering civilians. They're doing this, they're doing that. Same with Assad, same with any other location. With Iran, they don't need to investigate anything. They just blatantly say it because that's what they believe. That's how stupid all this is. Internal determinations here at the State Department. I, I would say you come out much more quickly than, than that. Given the amount of time that the, the, the bombing has been going on in Gaza, you've had enough time. You, you, you've had more you, time than you, in some cases. We have had. not seen Russians warning civilians to vacate apartment buildings when they launch them. Um, of course, because we, we, in my opinion, we're being lied to about who's actually bombing those buildings. But see, it doesn't matter. It's all narrative. And that's the same thing happening here. And even on top of that, are you really pretending that dropping... Le oh, I, I'm jumping ahead, actually. I think er Saeed makes this point in this video. We've seen... We've seen evidence in Russia's case of deliberately targeting civilian infrastructure. 
That's the. So you have. Made, I blatantly disagree with that. No, I, and I think we've thoroughly broken this down. That doesn't mean they haven't, but I don't. Just like the argument here, I don't think we've proven that they in fact are doing that. And then on top of that, we've proven that many of the cases they do say Russia did so. We then later prove was in fact Ukraine, and they and they don't care. Like with the the wayward rocket, they said was oops, an accident. Even though right to the end, Zelensky still lied and said it was Russia. Or the Kramastock train station, or Bucha. These group. And hear me on this: proven, not evidence leads to proven that they lied. Proven that they, with where the the trajectory shows the missile even came from, proves it was not from Russia. That it had to have come from there in regard to the train station or Bucha. We have the video of them literally placing the bodies, and then they end up there the next. It's so obvious, but that's what they do. And they hope that the blind people following the corporate media are enough to sell their narrative. So I'm saying that's the difference, the difference in the situation and facts that we haven't seen here. Oh, and the, oh, the last point was sending leaflets down to people. Oh, again, I, that's what I was going to jump ahead. But, the, you know, and then saying that they have to leave in five minutes and acting like that still makes sense. Many of which they don't see or sending text messages, they say, when they don't even have phone service. Like, it's just, it's, a, it's an illusion. It's a facade to make you think they care. And they just bomb these places anyway. And then on top of that, they bomb the places they tell them to go to. How many times does this have to be proven? Yeah. Well, but, but the fact that you have made a determination, because you, you, what you just said, Simon, is that, that you made a determination that Russia deliberately targeted civilians. And you have made a determination no. in this case that Israel is not no. deliberately doing that. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, I don't not see, a, there's, not, there's no other way to read what you There's not. Just basic logic, that's what he's showing you guys. You, you've trapped yourself with your statements. You just said it's, it's, it's deductive logic. What he said then means this, and that's what he's hiding from. And he basically admitted it already. Again, we were able we were able to show and in, in, in make the determination in the case of Russia that they were intentionally targeting civilian infrastructure. We have not come to that conclusion. And exactly how did you prove that? Did you investigate every single strike? How would you possibly do that? You don't have access to every location or what they shot from. or How do you know the market did? I mean, just think about how ignorant that statement is. You know they did not do the kind of investigation that they're claiming they need to do in this case to make sure they give a legal assessment. They said this within the right in the beginning, which is what the first guy was saying. It's just, it's just blatant. With Israel. But- With Israel, yeah. Okay, so that means that you have thus far determined right. that Israel is complying with the no, laws of war. No, it, do, it, do, it, does, it does not mean that. It means that we have not conducted – again, Matt, I know you can, want me to, to, to make a claim no, I, that usually is at the end of a formal legal process. Here's the problem. His answer is, we don't know. That's who's really forcing in, and we don't know. We haven't done it yet. But then when you accuse them of doing it, they go, no, that's not happening. How stupid that is. So you can tell me it's not happening, but you can't tell me for sure if you've investigated to find out. Think about how ridiculous that is. If you don't know, that means it's possible that it's happening, but they won't say that. They'll deny that. Say that it's not proof. That means, as Matt's trying painfully to get out of him, that you have made the assessment because if you're able to say they, they're not doing it, it's just pretty ridiculous. And I'm not, not able to know, do that. I don't think that's correct at all. And in fact, it's exactly as Simon said. You guys are very quick off the bat to accuse Russia of, you know, and probably correctly of, of, of committing war crimes and doing that kind of thing. So, but in this case, and it's now two, two and a half weeks in, you guys are saying you guys won't say whether you will make a determination 
even though many others have. So, or many others have weighed in, either on the, yes, they are complying, or no, they are not complying. Well, it's, it's as simple as pointing out that they're collectively punishing this population, that they're displacing this population, that they're targeting UN buildings. Any one of these examples is proof. You don't get to go, well, here's the asterisk to why we collective punishment's okay. That's not how that works. There's no rationale that makes it okay to starve the entire civilian population, to remove electricity, to remove internet connection, to bomb them indiscriminately. I don't even know why we have to argue this. It's that infuriating. I'm saying and, we... and so I think that what the world is looking for is a clear statement from you guys, whether you think that they are heeding your advice. And it sounds <laughs> to me as though you're saying, yes, they are. But you then, when, but when you're pressed on that, you uh, won't give uh, an answer. Again, we believe they are listening to our advice, but I cannot make the formal, <laughs> I just cannot make the formal determination. Yeah, so you just said you believe that they are acting within law, but he won't say that. Believe they're acting with our advice is the same statement. Oop, sorry about that. <laughs> hey, hit the wrong button. Right back to it. To, to every one of the strikes that's been, that's been lost. I'm going to the formal determination when it comes to, to every one of the strikes that's been that's been launched. I'm, 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 let me go go ahead, Sai. Go ahead. Right and then we'll, very quickly. So you I do want to give other people a chance, but go say, ahead. You're saying that dropping leaflets on people I'm sorry, say, dropping leaflets on people telling them that we're gonna bomb this site like three or five or five minutes before is actually complying with the laws of war. Uh, no, it's not what you just Saeed, I am not able to sit here at this podium and talk about the specifics of You see, now this is what I would have done. Now, because he's trying to make it specific about this, but the, he won't answer it because he knows what he did. He didn't ask about you deducing this. He simply said, do you think this situation is that? And he won't answer. But how about if you had framed it like he probably still wouldn't answer. But let's say hypothetically, in a totally different situation, you have Iran who is about to bomb a location that they control and they drop leaflets within five minutes before and then bomb the location and act like that was enough and civilians died was their fault. Would that be within international law? He wouldn't answer it, but at least on the record, you make the point how clearly that is the same thing. And yes, you would clearly call that a crime, but not when Israel does it. No, every all, side, side, yeah. I, I let you finish the question. Let me finish right. the answer sure. of every individual strike to make a determination of a war crime. You need to be able to do these very fact specific determinations and compare them about what international law requires and see Why if the international law has been violated. I'm not able to make that assessment. Certainly not as, as you know, with, with facts that you were giving to me about Whatever no, strike. It's just so embarrassing how obvious this is. It truly is. Again, emphasis is on damage, not accuracy, quoted directly by The Guardian. The Spectator Index points out U.S. spokesperson says Israel, quote, owes no one any justification and that it will have, quote, no red lines. I mean, come on. Do we really need to? This is obvious, guys. This is the most obvious thing I've ever seen. They're straight up going, they can do whatever they want. And we'll pretend it's in line with international law because, you know, we haven't investigated yet. It's upsetting. And here is the only point that you need to show somebody if they don't believe this is happening. This is directly from the United Nations, the Palestinian Refugee Agency. This is as of today. It has been confirmed. And realize, two million people saw this. It's obvious people see this. It has been confirmed from the United Nations, 53 of their UN staff members have been killed in Gaza since the 7th. These people dedicated their lives to their communities. One colleague died collecting bread. He leaves behind six children. 
Many of them were killed, not at these facilities, but in their own homes with their families. How do you describe, how do you explain that other than being targeted? On top of that, we know that schools have been targeted. UN schools, here's Reuters. At least six people killed in an Israeli airstrike on a United Nations school. Do you remember when everybody lost their minds over the allegation of schools in Assyria? Like, why is this not the same? It needs to, we really need to stand back and recognize how alarming it is. The influence, the control the Zionist government clearly has over the reporting of basic facts. Or whether it could be simply the United States marshalling its control over the, either way, they're in control of this and they are not letting this happen. It's, I mean, but then you have to realize that entire groups like Reuters and Associated Press, are they compromised? Do they just really not see it? I mean, I don't know how that's possible. And as somebody's also pointing out, they've used white phosphorus in multiple locations, as even Human Rights Watch has has clearly shown. See, it pops up. There it is. Well, there's two of them exactly. I'll bring up both. Oh, I forgot I have to hurry. I forgot we're late today. So we have 2009, Human Rights Watch, Reign of Fire. Israel's unlawful use of white phosphorus, which they deny, of course, because that's what they do. They're just not true. And the U.S. government says, yeah, probably not true because we didn't investigate. Israel, white phosphorus used in Gaza and Lebanon, October 12th. I mean, it's just ridiculous how often this, they just do it, don't care. They, how do we misunderstand what that shows us? Here is the Israel United Nations representative. He threatens to teach the U.N. a lesson because of the misrepresentation of, basically attacks the UN chief because he simply said that Gaza has been suffering for 50 years. That it's obviously true. Israel is saying it will deny visas to the UN officials. We already reported this, but I want you to hear what he says. To teach them a lesson after he pointed to a 56 years of occupation, which by the way, is a fact. The UN has always maintained it's an occupied territory. They just don't, they just find it inconvenient they would point that out in the midst of this. So facts are not allowed in the middle of this. Why would we be surprised by that? I will, and I think that the Secretary General must resign. Blood libel to point out that it's occupied? Because from now on, every day that he is here in this building, unless he apologizes immediately, today we called him to apologize, there's no justification to the existence of this building. This building was prevent was was established to prevent atrocities. How can the Secretary General, in the, with his words, justify in any way the terrible atrocities that happened to our civilians, innocent civilians? Oh, is that what he did? Did he, did he justify the attack on Israel? Please explain how that's even possible. He simply said, this didn't happen in a vacuum. So you're pointing out an obvious counterbalance to the situation. That is not justify or ignore, or ignore. Like, that's my point, guys. It's so obvious. By simply saying, this side had something happen too. They freak out and call and attack you for ignoring what happened. Even if you start the entire thing and say, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Hamas should be attacked. Everything is justified. They can, everything they can do, no matter what. But the Palestinian civilians matter. I've, I've literally seen almost exactly the same thing. And they will go after that person. How dare you, you Jew-hating atrocity murderer of Austria? It's just, it's mind-blowing. And it needs to show us. It needs to show us that they're, it's about, just like I keep showing you with the rest of them, Ben Shapiro. 
You say there's civilians on both sides and they go, no, and redirect the outrage to one side. That is the problem here. Not people caring for everybody. The problem is those that want to make it about one side and call you a racist for caring about both. It's almost like everything else we're seeing. It's the person doing it, accusing everybody else of doing it. It's ridiculous. Schools. Israel striking on a school, a United Nations school. I just, I don't even, that's just so ridiculous. It shows you, I think, that we're in a controlled reality, guys. If people see all this stuff. We're just being told we don't. <laughs> it's unbelievable to me. Here's the United Nations in Geneva. Right. Not not the refugee Palestinian agency. This is the United Nations from Geneva speaking up on what's going on. They have been reasonably quiet, but says there are there have been 450 trucks going into Gaza before October 7th for aid they need because of Israel, not because of Hamas or Palestinians, because of Israel. We are now down to 12. The stench of the stench and smell of death is everywhere. Food from a system perspective, we are expecting it to completely collapse if fuel does not get in. I told you. Fuel is the necessary part for everything. So they bring in a couple of things and go, see, we're helping everybody, but not fuel. They've told you not that no matter what happens, they've now said that even if the hostages are returned, they still won't let fuel in. They are starving these people. They are sieging these people. They want them gone. That was the plan. Even though this is their territory to begin with. The United Nations had a vote. I, this was reported today, but I'm not sure what the day of the vote was. UN General Assembly adopts resolution on protection of civilians and upholding legal and humanitarian obligations on the ongoing Gaza crisis. You see, this is its own thing at this point. It's not like this has been true. They're desperate to try to frame this as a part of the, what happened in Israel. But because of the way they've conducted this, they've turned it into its own atrocity, obviously. And so now the UN voted on this 121 to 14. 45 abstentions, cowards. Well, I shouldn't say that. Same point. I always advocate the, the action of, of abstention. Maybe they disagree. Maybe they find a whole a problem with it. But in my opinion, the point in that would be that you don't want to be seen as, you know, Israel will attack you if you vote. They, it's, it's, a, it's a politically tactful move kind of thing, trying to avoid being, it just shows you they don't care enough, in my opinion. But the UN voted. They adopted the resolution in regard to basically saying that they're not doing that. We know they're not doing that. They're not protecting civilians. Now, here was the Ahmed uh, Al-Nuwak I pointed earlier, saying he, he, this is one of his last messages with his family. My sister Aya fled her home as was partially destroyed. She came to her house for shelter, or his house. She and her children were murdered in, then in their home. Everyone in the chat was killed along with their children. The last message was, thank God we're safe. Unfortunately, they weren't. Just disgusting. Not Hamas, random family, civilians. He says, just to be clear, now I am grieving my family but posting about them by posting about them, but soon this period of grief will end, and then I will legally pursue everyone complicit in this massacre against my family. Good. People need to be held accountable. Then he means, and he said it very clearly, legally suing people is what he's talking about. He also points out he's received heartbreaking news that his dear friend, Ahmed Abu Artima, the inspiration behind the Great March of Return, which, by the way, was an intentionally peaceful protest was just killed by Israeli bombardment. Multiple members of his family have been killed, including his young son, reportedly severely injured. Ahmed, as he writes, the wonderful leader and poet, has only ever encouraged nonviolent and peaceful protests, yet Israel still wants him and his family erased from the earth. Sprinter points out, now this is the point we're making, the UN agency 
to help Palestine refugees, the UNRWA will halt humanitarian operations in Gaza. To, or this was on the 25th, so it's two days ago, unless Israel allows fuel to flow in the Strip. So they're literally, and this is coming from the UN, guys. They're now beginning to point at this. They have absolutely allowed this to continue. And the fuel is necessary for hospitals, for everything they need. They know this, and they're deliberately hurting people. Again, the worst of the worst, while pretending they're helping. IDF spokesman, fuel will not enter Gaza. And they've made it clear that it won't in general going forward. Oxfam, right? One of the groups that's usually on the side of the narrative in one of these cases, right? Human Rights Watch, right? They're all standing up in opposition. The UN, Human Rights Watch, Amnesty International, Beth Selim, everybody. Israel using starvation as a weapon of war against Gaza civilians. Just 2% of the food that would have been delivered to Gaza before the total siege has been let in. They don't have fuel in most cases to even deal with most of the stuff they need in every aspect. Is Human Rights Watch. Israel still blocking aid to civilians in Gaza. That was just a few days ago. All the lies were being sold. Now, here's the contradiction, as we were saying before. Russia cuts electric to Ukrainians. It's a war crime, right? Israel cuts electric and food and water and gas and and electricity and and internet connections. And and we send funding to Israel. Doesn't that smell fishy to you? (laughs) I mean, guys, it's how is this different? Explain to me what the difference is. They're claiming Russia cutting this off, which by the way, that wasn't even accurate how that went down, but saying this is their fault, war crime. And then you have the actual targeted, deliberate, we're going to do this action, justified. These people, that means nothing is sacred to these people. That's what I'm always trying to show you. Now I'm going to skip some of this, guys. I'll include these for you. I'll play the beginning of this. This is, it's, it's courageous. She's speaking for the state of Palestine and outlaying what's, outlining what's happening. It's obviously very emotional for her. No water, no fuel. Food supplies are running dangerously low. Hospitals, overwhelmed with patients and injured, are running out of medicine. Morgues are, orf- are overflowing with bodies. Bodies are buried in mass graves. Israel ordered 22 hospitals in Gaza to evacuate, an order that WHO labeled as a death sentence for the sick and injured. Which, by the way, we've continued to see. I mean, it's everywhere. Here, here is Democracy Now! reporting a philosopher and gender studies scholar, Judith Butler, calls an end to Israel's assault in Gaza. Just showing you the kind of across the board, people from all over the place are recognizing this as a problem. And he, Sam Husseini makes a good point, though, in regard to somebody else making this. Every Palestinian I know is immersed in a deep sense of sorrow, anguish, anger, the massive deliberate genocide in Gaza and brutal murders. He simply points out, if you claim genocide, why have you refused to advocate for invoking the genocide convention? Which is an interesting point. I'm seeing this all over. There are people that are actually in positions of power, plenty of people in Congress, for example, who are saying genocide, but they're not doing anything about it. This is the point they keep making. That Just because they want to use this for political gain, and some of them are saying this because they don't believe it, but they think they can get on the side of a lot of people, they're not actually wanting any accountability. Like U.S. going, please stop murdering people. Please urge you to work with international law. Okay, fine. Are you going to hold them accountable for the crimes they've committed thus far? No, because that's not what you care about. It's a great point. Now, Daniel Drumbrill makes a great point here. Breaking news, in case you missed it. The U.S. federal government has cut off the electricity supply and blocked the entry of food and fuel to Maine in the United States as part of a total siege strategy adopted on Thursday in retaliation against the Lewiston shooter. Here's the main shooter, in case you didn't see it. 
while Maine residents will not be permitted to cross into New Hampshire, the U.S. government has said the right thing for, is for, for Canada to do is to open their borders to them. You know, like Israel saying, Egypt, take them in. Considering the humanitarian crisis that will unfold as a result of these cuts, Maine residents have begun speaking out about the crisis that's unfolding and what they feel is a disproportionate, unfair response. But whenever they get a bit of airtime on the network, the host mostly just wants to hear them say they condemn the shooter and the assault rifles. Think about that. Obviously, guys, it's not real. <laughs> this is a joke. But what's funny is how obviously, and this is what he says right here. This person says, not funny. This person says, thank you for your feedback. I'm always interested to hear from Zionist supporters. Could you tell me what you think about this one? Israel cut off the electricity supply and blocked food and Gaza, right? They said, "I oh, and this person goes on to say, oh, wait, this is the right one. Dang it, I thought I had one that, shoot. Well, oh, wait, it doesn't matter. The point was the same, that the analogy it's just, it, you know, you apply it in any other context. They'll say, it's not the same thing, of course. But all you're really doing is collective punishment. You're choosing to affect a population. In this case, it's one person. But let's just make it about a group. Let's say a group of armed people took over Maine and were holding the state hostage. By the logic of Israel, you could bomb everybody there until you got rid of those bad people. I, I mean, I'm missing something? I mean, that's exactly the same argument. And we all... Everybody to your bones know that that's not right. You know this is morally incorrect. They don't care because they're not morally correct. Oh, I think this one right here. This is the one. This person says, in response to that Zionist, you know, what do you think about this one? They literally say, Israel has no obligation to provide an infrastructure to assist its enemies in destroying it. Ask Hamas to use the stockpiled fuel, which as far as I can tell doesn't exist. But here's the crazy part. It doesn't matter that you dislike part of the population. They have a legal obligation to take care of the occupied territory. They don't. See, the people on that side of the narrative would pretend that they've tried and Hamas gets in the way. You could prove, as Robert has many times, they're lying about this. The bottom line, you don't like that, then, then stop occupying them. <laughs> but of course, that's not what they want, right? But the idea that you can keep making these arguments is embarrassing. Now, here's an important one. This is one the Gray Zone put out. The U.S. Department of Defense has said it's confident Israel is following the rules of war. So you see now this is evolving. This is Liam uh, Cosgrove from the, from the Gray Zone. As I said, every one of these U.S. officials making this kind of childishly hypocritical sidestep of basic realities not only know that they're lying. This is my opinion, obviously. They all are allowing the targeted slaughter of Palestinian civilians to continue. 20 days and counting of round-the-clock bombing, as the New York Times put it. But listen to him try to sidestep this. It's embarrassing. <clears throat> Thanks, General. So when the Biden administration and the DOD say they're confident that Israel will follow the law of war, I'm wondering which law is being referred to here. Is it the Geneva Convention, the United Nations, ICC? Um, last week, we saw an Israeli strike hit the St. Porphyrius Greek Orthodox Church, which killed about 18, including some family members of former U.S. Congressman Justin Amash. That's Justin Amash's cousin right there that you're looking at. So I'm just wondering if attacks like those are in line with the laws of war that the DOD is applying. Yeah, look, so I'll, I'll let Israel talk to its operations. Uh what? So whenever you're asked a direct question about an obvious crime, well, I'll let them speak to the crime. We think they're doing that. I just showed you proof. Right. I mean, it's the point of like the U.N. building. Well, I don't know. I have to talk to Israel. Oh, wait. So their narrative is more important than the provable facts. Exactly. This is somebody who knows they're lying, who is covering for an ally. That's the end of the story, in my opinion. But I think that's provable in our communications with 
the Israelis, again, we continue to encourage them to. Oh, so that's all that matters. We do. We tell them to do it. And as long as they pretend they're doing it, we don't know. We haven't done our assessment yet, says Matt says, Matt Miller. Abide by the laws of war. Uh, we are both democracies. We are both professional <laughs> militaries. And we Neither understand uh, the importance uh, of, of doing so. Um, again, I will also highlight uh, the challenges here with urban warfare. I will highlight uh, we've made very clear uh, that uh, the Palestinians are not Hamas and that Hamas is, are not the Palestinians. Uh, and it is very, very unfortunate that we see a terrorist group who embeds themselves within a civilian population. In order- oh, oh, is it unfortunate? All that statement is meant to do is justify killing civilians. So it's not unfortunate at all. It's clearly what you guys use to get out of accountability. So quite the opposite of unfortunate. It's very useful for you. ...protect and hide. Um, but again, in our conversations with the Israelis, uh, as we made very clear, we're continuing to highlight the importance of mitigating civilian casualties mitigating. Uh, and ensuring that... Um, that, you know, for example, things like safety corridors are, are thought through. And could you, could you speak a little bit on, on which laws of war are being applied for, you know, those of us assessing the war? Hey, I'm not going to go into a doctrinal discussion about the, the laws of war. I think, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever laws here and there, whatever, you know, like, well, we don't have to get into which laws are applying or not. That's exactly what you're talking about. You literally just said that they are applying the rules. Which rules, man? Well, I'm not going to get into a doctrinal, like the doctrine. <laughs> I mean, it's, who takes these people seriously? We, we all know what we're talking about, law of armed conflict. Oh, do uh, we? And, yeah. Thank you, sir. Thanks, General. Uh, from the beginning. It's just embarrassing, guys. You are whitewashing genocide. That's what's happening. Here's the Queen of Jordan condemning the world's double standard on, a, on the attack. She says, is it wrong to kill an entire family at gunpoint, but it's okay to shell them to death? I mean, come on. Interestingly enough, the Arab Organization for Human Rights in the UK calls Jordan out. I'm, I'll, I'll, you can read it for yourself, basically saying that they're still allowing military equipment to be go through to go through Jordan to get into Israel, and that the U.S. government is sending a hell of a lot of weaponry through Jordan into Israel. Isn't that interesting? And they just simply say, "Act in line with what you're stating." It's, it's, I think that's pretty maybe example of Jordan trying to earn some points when they don't really mean what they say. I don't know. Here's another horribly ridiculous. This, this is this is the guy I was talking about, Hussam Zamlat, who absolutely made a, the most important statement I think I've seen in this conversation about the equal application of international law. Here's an important clip where he where he talks with the person from BBC, and it is just unparalleled. The way that she just doesn't want to. I understand. I understand. Tried to cut him off. You don't understand. She doesn't understand what he's going through. Let's watch this. Take a closer look at what uh, Palestinian leaders are saying. We're joined from London by Hussam Zumlat. He's the head of the Palestinian mission in the United Kingdom. He joins us from our London newsroom. Hussam Zumlat, welcome to BBC News. Thank you. After the, really the unprecedented assault into southern Israel by Hamas on October the 7th, and what you would know would be an unprecedented Israeli military response, what are you calling for Israel to do now? 
What is happening now has nothing to do with the 7th of uh, October uh, lease. Uh, what is happening are uh, documented. Well, it was sparked. War. It was sparked no, no, by, sorry, no, no. No, it was, it was sparked by October the 7th. Lease. Nothing justifies this mass murder of civilians right live in your cameras. More than 6,500, 6, 2,700 of them are children. Nothing, nothing justifies the carpet bombing of entire civilian areas. Nothing justifies cutting water, food, electricity, fuel from hospitals. Nothing justifies that we still have 1,000 people under rubble. People are hearing the cry out of people under rubble and we have no rescue teams. They have been targeted. Our medical sector is collapsing. Nothing justifies this. So please, let not, not refer to this uh, 7th of October. What is happening now could not be justified by any standards. That's number one. Number two, exactly. we're calling for immediate ceasefire since this began. Uh, ceasefire for these war crimes, crimes against humanity. And this is such a dark moment, least for our humanity, for all of us. A dark moment for our international system when the mm -hmm. world fails, fails to call for a ceasefire and we hear some western governments including the us and the uk calling for a pause 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 for war crimes and crimes against humanity right think about how insulting it is to say pause when you can prove they're committing these crimes but also let's not forget that the state department of the united states and it wasn't supposed to be seen it got leaked that they told their diplomats i don't want to hear you even use the words de-escalate diplomats <laughs> I mean, why are they even there for if they're not there to dip, to, to discuss and de-escalate? That's what diplomats are for. Not when you're on the side of war. Really? We cannot enforce now, right now. And we still hear leaders like the prime minister of the UK saying Israel has the right to defend itself. After all what we have seen in the last 21 days, self-defense is... Uh, uh, threatening the lives of 130 babies in incubators now because they are running, running off fuel in hospitals is a right to self-defense. Forcing one million people uh, out of their homes and then bombarding them in the south is a right to self-defense. This is self-defense. Uh, 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 and what about the warning by the international community that uh, 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 infectious diseases are breaking out, out in Gaza because of the sewage system in the streets, because people are, are drinking uh, contaminated water and sea water? And I can only imagine how that will be exploited when the time comes. And we'll talk about it when that happens. And we have to realize that it's not hard to wrap your mind around how that could be exploited into a whole other realm of this manipulation. This is, and I mean the idea of illness, right? An act of self-defense. Uh, 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 this, this is all of this is war crimes, and the world is watching. Everyone is watching. But how, how the West no is one doing? Yes, Every, how yes. The West is no one denies the rules on their foes. Everybody denies that. Like these people are just disgusting. She was trying to, you know, every time she tries to cut in, it's just insulting. Not because in, with what she's trying to minimize but not on their enemies. This is a dark moment, Lise. Well, we, no one under, under can deny the darkness of the moment for Palestinians. The images are there. We've been reporting day in, day out, and the suffering, the rising death toll in Gaza, what the United Nations describes as a humanitarian catastrophe. But and doing nothing about it.
not calling for any action. We saw yesterday at the UN Security Council, Israel underlining, and that cry by Israel is, as you say, being repeated by Western leaders saying that Israel has a right to reply because it was attacked and it feels it needs to protect its citizens and protect its, its borders. By murdering indiscriminate innocent civilians, it had nothing to do with what happened. Really, by what we just heard from the war criminal Netanyahu announcing in his televised uh, message that he has killed thousands of Hamas fighters. Liar! A liar! You yes. know, at least everybody in the world knows that he has killed thousands well, of our not. children. Let's, well, let's have a, let, of yes. our children, of our families. He has wiped out entire families. He has targeted hospitals, like, churches, our entire let's, civil, okay, let's, civil yes, structure. We understand. So, 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 oh, so the conversation <laughs> should not be about the symmetry. There is no equity yes. between the occupier and the occupied. And there is no equity between a non-state actor like Hamas and a state that he recognized, that is Israel, that should be held to a different standard. The world has failed, I tell you. The world has failed yet again. And what's this whole talk about right to self-defense? Don't we have a right to defend ourselves? Look what is happening in the West Bank. You are in Jerusalem now. You are reporting the mayhem, the chaos, the carnage by the militias, the settler militias. More than 100 Which Palestinians is... were killed oh, in, Jenin, not. in yes, Ramallah, yes. in Hebrew. We understand, yes. No, no, no. Do we have the right to we defend understand. ourselves? We understand. We... The... Do we have the right to defend? Should we sit in the West Bank waiting for these you settlers certainly. to come and attack us? Should we defend ourselves or not? Let's, let's have a conversation rather than we understand your anger. That anger has gone around the wow. world. There have been protests filling the streets in many Right. Quickly trying to tie it right back to Hamas. That's what she's trying to do. She's not very tactful at it. City's anger at what is happening to the Palestinians, but your the point being, they're obviously pretending all of those protests are pro Hamas. That's what that was my point. For a representative of the Palestinian Authority, what can be done? Because these are the discussions behind the scene. As you know, Israel will not accept a ceasefire. What is the Why? best possible <laughs> option now? We've Crazy. heard at the United Nations a proposal for a pause for a humanitarian ceasefire. That's only going to be because they want to move them out of the way to act like that's going to keep them safe. That's not going to happen because there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that can't be moved and that those people shouldn't be displaced. They don't want to leave what was their forced home to begin with. A number of pauses may be discussed today at the EU meeting in Brussels. In many capitals, many leaders are trying to find a way to ease the suffering of Palestinian civilians to ease the suffering. So they're still going to suffer, but just we'll, we'll, we'll ease it. We'll, we'll lower the amount of suffering that we're applying to these innocent people. Let's listen to the language they're using. And what, you're going to pause war crimes? I mean, think of, that everything they're doing is insulting, and that's why he's so frustrated. Millions. What at this time is the best available option to protect the civilians, to get aid to the civilians? Number one, immediate, unconditional ceasefire of these atrocious, murderous airstrikes against our people, civilians. Number two, immediate and immense global operation, humanitarian, to relieve the suffering. We have no rescue teams. People are still alive and shouting. We need humanitarian en masse from all directions to elevate this unprecedented human suffering. Number Realize what he's saying is they can hear people shouting from the rubble. And they just don't have the equipment and the necessary, they can't help them. That's because of what they're doing to Gaza. 
by three. We need to turn this tragedy into a moment of hope for the millions of people in Palestine and worldwide. I have seen the, th the hundreds of thousands here in the UK calling for justice. I just looked at the opinion poll this morning that 76% of the British people call for an immediate ceasefire. We need to do that and we need to focus on the root causes. Turn this into a momentum for peace. End this illegality and injustice once and for all. Call for an international peace conference to implement international resolutions not negotiate them right and one one last brief question we know Mahmoud Abbas the head of the Palestinian Authority has spoken to Joe Biden that there is concern already for the day after are you being asked to go in to try to run Gaza when this is over whenever that is the PLO is the sole legitimate representative of the Palestinian people and oh well look at that isn't that interestingly what I've been saying the point being that Hamas is not actually the leading faction. I mean, just because they were elected in 2006 and haven't had an election since does not mean that's the current embodiment of the reality. I'm just so tired of how easily people lie about this topic. The point is that this is the Palestinian Authority, which I myself am very skeptical about. But the PLO is what he's more associated with. The point being that the, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, which is connected in the same similar thing, but in many cases overlap. But the point is that... From the BBC's angle, they're literally going, are you going to take control? So why not asking Hamas? Aren't they the ones that are in control? Like, it's just, it, the point is that they will use that when they want to and then they're not. It's obvious that we're being lied to at every angle about the truth of the situation. The PLO has a liberation in it, the Palestine Liberation Organization. We will run Palestine and our people in a liberated state of Palestine that includes the West Bank, Jerusalem, and Gaza, and we will be running a understand he does not say all the other territory that israel is currently also occupying they just want basically the control of those areas jerusalem west bank and in the gaza area as their territory which they'll never allow but to pretend that they like the only thing they ever want is to get rid of all of israel that's not what they've been calling for for a really long time and it's just it's just easy to prove country that will once again be a bridge between civilizations and a source of stability but not the way israel wants we are not running a country on the corpses of our people these criminality criminalities have to end and peace has to prevail but not based on this sheer show of power by israel uh, on the bodies of our civilians peace can only prevail when they recognize the legitimate birthrights of a nation that has been denied for more than 100 years. Mm -hmm. This is the moment to recognize uh, yes. that, that the yes. only way forward is to craft a different path, is to give the people a, 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 a hope for a different future. And I tell you, we can. I see people everywhere. I hear messages from everywhere. Everyone now needs one thing that we can provide a different path. So countries like the UK and the US should be busy providing that different path right this moment. Hmm. We understand your quite the response. Mm -mm. <laughs> it's cowards, right? With, with that kind of statement, that's all you can say because there's probably someone in her ear going, Get this guy off the air. That's what I think is happening. Well, here's the reality they don't care. You have people writing for Politico. The article's headline Israel is acting proportionately against a terrorist enemy. Here he says, My, my article, and this guy is the international human rights lawyer. <laughs> Proud Zionist, of course, which probably means he's not human rights or any, any one of those three words, in my opinion. These people are absolutely 
and like the, the found the Lehigh Party, the founding of Zionism is based on terrorism. And you can prove, especially with this argument, that you can argue that targeting civilians is somehow proportionally accepted. That's a Zionist for you right there. He's saying my article in Politico explaining how Israel is acting entirely proportional within the law. Within the law, he says, was targeting UN facilities within the law? Was targeting the school that killed 30 children within the law? They don't care, guys, against a savage terrorist enemy, Hamas. No, you're targeting all of Palestine. But they say that seeks no less than the Jewish state's full destruction. Well, not really. It's not even remotely the entire truth. Of course, the only, and, and even you will point the Jewish, aren't there other non-Jewish people that live there? Yes, but you treat them like second-class citizens and pretend that it's a democracy. That's the nation-state law that Avi Shalom discussed, as even Netanyahu came out to defend and said, no, it is only, this, these people are stating the obvious, and you pe- the people in the West will cover this in a way that makes it seem what the re- it, benign. Zionist, uh, Zionist Biden will come out and say, this is what they want, and meanwhile, they're saying we will never allow it. It's the kind of contradiction that's always been there. Here's what the article actually says. Before the bodies of 40 Jewish babies massacred by Hamas were even buried. First sentence. Many self-proclaimed experts were already charging Israel with acting disproportionately response. So unless you balance this by the false 40 beheaded baby story, then it doesn't seem... The point is, because you the, the atrocity propaganda begins, then you can act like everything else is justified. That's how that works. That's the first sentence. He says, but what is proportionate response to dozens of infants being shot, burned, and decapitated? The thing that we can prove didn't happen. Would those preaching proportionality expect Israel to go into Gaza and massacre 40 Palestinian babies in return? How is that even a logical statement? It's about going after Hamas, who you argue committed the atrocities. How is that hard to wrap your mind around? This is the most grotesque article. You're not only rationalizing genocide, you're using lies that we can prove didn't happen to make it sound like it makes sense. In the interest of time, you could, you could read it. It's, it's embarrassing. Hamas even sought to block the evacuation of Palestinians. No, it didn't. Very provably not true. And you can prove that they're the ones that have been bombing where they go. Notwithstanding, the IDF have been going to extraordinary lengths, not seen in the history of modern warfare, to avoid civilian casualties. That's what he just said. Yeah, really objective. Again, how are we going to pretend that bombing 53 killing 53 UN members, bombing multiple UN locations, killing children in the schools they bombed, which they could prove they knew were there and knew were UN locations. How are you pretending that is going to lengths, extraordinary lengths, not seen in the history of modern warfare to avoid those civilian casualties? That is blatant lie. This person should be held accountable for lying to cover up the crimes of Israel. Arsen Ostrovsky is clearly a Zionist. My God. Since, for example, they've been warning civilians to evacuate. Yeah, as Saeed points out, five minutes with leaflets that say, if you're still here in five years, terrorist. Some people that can't even move, that are disabled, that can't just wander out of the way. The IDF isn't required to provide such notice, they say, but it does so anyway. Oh, so you're not required to even inform people before murdering civilians? In areas that we can't, we can prove don't have Hamas locations. God, it just really gets under my skin. So I'm going to try to wrap this up now. I want to quickly point out here that even Kirby is being rolled out to argue now that the numbers they're hearing are false too. What's he basing that on? How did he reach this conclusion? 
Well, we all know that the Gazan Ministry of Health is just a, f- a, a front for Hamas. It's a No, no, we don't know that. And I'll show you from the Washington Post next where they argue that it's one of the most legitimate sources of information there. This is about trying to downplay the amount of people that are being killed. Because now the 40 beheaded babies, whether even though it's a lie, even the narrative of that, true or not, which we can prove is a lie, is dwarfed to 3,000 children that have been killed. And the hundreds of videos showing decapitated, or rather just, you know, like, I mean that in the sense of like their heads blown off. Like, provable information showing children with, you know, dead children, dead people, dead families. I mean, it's, it's obscene and it's constant. And this is what you roll out. You roll, you're rolled out to obfuscate murder. That's, that is your legacy, Kirby. I hope you're okay with that. It's run by Hamas, a terrorist organization. Um, I've said it myself up here. We can't take anything coming out of Hamas, including the so-called Ministry of Health, at face value. And secondly, I mean, just in the, I'm going to skip it for time. The point on they just go, he goes on to admit that yes, there are civilians being killed, but we just can't get the exact numbers. But meanwhile, you're blindly taking and reporting at face value, acting like you can prove it exactly what Israel tells you, even though we can prove you have yet to see information. And what we can prove they have released does not even add up with what they've saying. But you keep citing that number because you're hypocrites, because you don't care about the truth and it's all about narrative. And as Caitlin Johnstone points out, the Washington Post has a new article out explaining why it and other mainstream media outlets have been citing the Gaza Health Ministry as a source in the daily death toll, noting that the ministry has an established track record of reporting such deaths truthfully and accurately. Of course, but you see, now apparently now they're even in contradiction with their own corporate media. They've lost control of this, guys, a long time ago. This video is simply showing how it says we can't get into Gaza, but Yusuf Hamash lives there. He works for a Norwegian Refugee Council and is a filmmaker. This is just some of the reporting on how children in Gaza have experienced the war. It's terrifying. It's just simply going on showing what children are dealing with, trying to continue to live their lives. Many of the clips are them running in terror, and it's just a sad reality. And the Ministry of Health has published the names of 7,028 Palestinians. Now, here's why this is the same thing Caitlin Johnstone was just saying, that the Washington Post said. You go through, the point is, these are names and information. You don't get that from me. Have we even still gotten that from Lahaina? (laughs) I mean, and you're definitely not getting that for the full picture of what happened in Israel. We just proved that with the data they put out that contradicts their bigger number. They put out... The, they published the names and information of 7,028 Palestinians, including 2,913 children killed in Gaza, which means you could either go on to prove or debunk the reality of it. My argument being they put it out because you can prove it. Because I think we can, guys. It's not hard. They put out this as well. The, the catastrophic disaster, indigenous struggle on the ground. Now, simply pointing out that the health ministry in Gaza published this 200 plus page report with the names, ID numbers, ages of all those Palestinian kids and, and people. It's pretty easy to prove this is real. That's the contrast. Now, it says the president, uh, I'll just play this really quickly. I think this is the other one with Kirby. And John, so besides saying that he doesn't have confidence in these numbers, the president went further to say that innocents will die and that this is the price of the war. You also said that. I have indeed. Yeah. Don't you think this is insensitive? They're being very harsh criticism about it. Yeah. Yeah. You're basically normalizing the murder of children and civilians because, well, you know, that's war. 
Well, actually, that's far more insightful and truthful than, than you realize, because that is exactly how the U.S. government operates. But now I guess they're revealing that card in order to, to get Israel out of hot water, which isn't going to work. Which simply shows you they're willing to tarnish their entire reputation to defend the Zionist agenda. Make sure you recognize how alarming that is. For example, the Council of American Islamic Relations said it was deeply disturbed and called on the president to apologize. Would the president apologize and no. does he regret say something no. like that? About what's harsh, what's harsh is the way Hamas is using people as human shields. Again, I mean, wouldn't it be great if they could prove that? Give me a picture. I'm not, I'm, look, I'm not even going to say there's not examples of one person hiding behind another person. What I'm saying is the argument that you can indiscriminately bomb the entire area under the guise that they, in any place they bomb, must have a location. That is not reality. And again, the United Nations has done an investigation and proved in the past that they weren't. And the point was, at that time, Israel was making the same argument. So they lied then. Are we going to pretend that they're not now? Certainly possible, but they don't know that. They don't know. I mean, even Matt Miller is admitting that they don't know whether they have to wait afterward and investigate every strike. So how in the world could you know then that they're targeting Hamas when they when you just admitted you don't even know what they're bombing? I mean, my God, this is so easy to prove that at the very least, they're just blatantly towing the line. What's harsh is taking a couple of hundred hostages and leaving families and uh, anxious waiting and worrying. Yeah, well, POWs, right? But what about the 1,200 of the same that Israel took since this started? Or the 5,200 that they took long before this without charge? They don't care about that, right? Because one group is more important to them than the other. Figure out uh, where their loved ones are. What's harsh is dropping in on a music festival and slaughtering a bunch of young people. Yeah, and now we're finding out that they actually killed them, many of them themselves, according to their own people. Remember, one of the members from that was at the concert said they killed the hostages. Right? I mean, just it's it's just it's just too much. These people are exposing themselves for an agenda. Now, I'm going to leave it. I'm just, I was going to quickly go into this, but I'll do it on the next show. Just in general, there's you know drone strikes on with the bases in Syria, the strikes on Iraq. The bottom line, as I said the other day, guys. There's only one illegal occupier in Iraq, and there's only one illegal occupier in Syria, the U.S. government. And Israel's involved with that, too. The bottom line is they are the illegal occupier. Therefore, the, the groups that are there have the legal right to armed rebellion. That may not be happy for people that want to pretend like there's only one good guy in all the situation. The bottom line is it's not that I want anything bad to happen to anybody, civilians or military personnel, but that's just the, that's the static reality. If you can't wrap your mind around that, then you shouldn't be in this conversation. The point is, though, that means that they can, they're allowed to do so. So the, the same thing I said with, same with Israel. If they don't want that, then stop occupying them. A huge explosion inside the Olimar field base controlled by American forces, right, where they're stealing all of their oil. The Pentagon says the U.S. military forces conducted self-defense strikes. Self-defense, the Bethlehem Doctrine, same game. On two facilities, it's not self-defense. It's a, you can call it a response, but to call self-defense just can pretend you're playing the same game. You're placing yourself as the eternal victim, as you are the occupier. It is the exact same thing. On two facilities in eastern Syria used by Iran's Islamic, Iran, basically, and affiliated groups. These precision self-defense strikes are a response to a series of ongoing, mostly unsuccessful attacks against Iran-backed militia groups. Well, as far as, and of course, self-defense strikes in Syria, you're the illegal occupier. The point, though, and I, again, I'm just going to, the point was in general, they're just blaming Iran. Even though, look, it wouldn't surprise me if Iran is present. They're allowed to be there. 
But that's it doesn't it doesn't have to be if they're bombing the PMU, the popular mobilization units, which is what they're targeting in Syria and Iraq. They're just bombing this group because it's I guess it's just an outlet to make it look like they're doing something. The point is, this group is actively fighting for the interest of Syria and Iraq and attacking the group. And I think it has to do with what's going on in Israel. I think they're all standing up. But here we have the the Israel Israel now bombed Syria, right? You can see there's just a targeted action. Israel's gone full psycho mode, he argues. They bombed four different nations, forcing the world into World War III. We also know that Israel's carried out airstrikes on West Bank. That's five days ago. But guess what? It's continuing. We, this is air, uh, drone strikes killing Palestinians in the West Bank. Over, like It's over 100 now, people that have been killed. We have armored vehicles rolling into the West Bank, and this was yesterday to Janine. And Israeli forces are now sabotaging the main water line and destroying roads in the West Bank. This is all inside Israel. This is not even part of Gaza. This is the West Bank, and Hamas is not present. They're just doing this because it's a war on Palestine. And on top of that, Israeli military bulldozed the street in Janin where Shireen Abu Akleh was shot and killed by Israeli snipers and destroyed her memorial in doing so. That's obviously on purpose. And if you want to read this, guys, Robert's broken this down. Israel covered up the murder of Shireen Abu Akleh, a U.S. citizen, with the U.S. help. And I was going to also discuss the fact that they're now, this guy literally is calling, a senator is calling for airstrikes on Iran. Why? Because Iran's doing everything, apparently, even though there's no evidence to that. And in fact, I can prove that's not what's happening. It doesn't matter, though. It's about narrative. Let's not forget, Iran was that fifth country. It's the five countries, seven or seven countries, five years, right? doesn't matter about the time frame. They missed that. But it's clearly an agenda for Israel and the United States, and it always has been. Now, I'm just going to end with this in general. I'll come back to that. A great clip. Just the short version of it that's kind of sped up, actually. It just makes it, it goes faster. But Norman, fin- Norman, Norman Finkelstein... An outstanding interview with him and Pasta on the Jimmy, Jimmy Dore show, which I recommend you check out. It's a great interview, but I'm going to end with this clip in general because he makes an excellent argument. Now, it's just not meant to rationalize or justify actions against civilians, but you have to understand that people, when pushed to a position of desperation over decades, will act desperately. I mean, it just we have to understand that. And on top of that, realize that in general, we're watching the unbelievable reality in real time of why they felt the need to act. I mean, it's just, it's never been more clear to me, guys, how much, how much this is just detestable. It's wrong. We're watching something that is the, all of the leading powers of the world knowingly supporting something that is everything they pretended they've always been fighting. We're watching the destruction of the illusion in real time. Again, it's sort of like with the COVID conversation. I don't know why they decided to push this so hard at this moment. Maybe they're tied in for some reason. I mean, there's many things I can get into in regard to how the Zionist agenda could very clearly compromise plenty of different people. But at the end of the day, as I don't know why, but clearly they have thrown in with this discussion and they are riding it to the ground. So it's time for us to acknowledge that, show people, awaken people to the reality. It's never been more obvious. Thank you for tuning in and continuing to stand for freedom, for self-determination, for the equal application of international law, for civilians, no matter where they reside. It's all that really matters, guys, is standing up for people that don't have a voice and fighting for what's right. And we all know what's right inside. It's innate. And that's why it's so hard to pretend that this is okay for people that are desperately trying if they have a modicum of soul, heart, 
concern, empathy. I know you do. That's why you're here. So thank you for supporting The Last American Vagabond. If you'd like to support The Last American Vagabond, there's always a lot of ways to do so. We definitely need your help because we're trying to grow. We can check out our Substack. We do we 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 do a lot of uh, Scott actually just put out I should actually should have grabbed that but we put out a great post today uh, on our interview in regard to the uh, Hope and her daughter Autumn and the medical kidnapping conversation. But you can support us through Substack, which supports both of us. You can support us through the donation platform on the website. Sub uh, subscribe star, buy me a coffee, direct donation right to our mail in, and through our autonomy objective researching program or through autonomy itself. All the links will be right in the bottom. Thank you for being here, guys. I really continue to, to be just blown away by the support and the willingness to support financially when everybody is obviously in a position to being squeezed, which this means the world. I know you can see that this means everything to me, not because of donations, but because it's the right thing to do, which I'll do no matter whether you said donations or not. So help me and let's get this moving forward, growing and, and making more of a difference in people's lives. I love you all, guys. Thank you for tuning in. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Surprise you? Is it really a shock that a couple of days ago, the people of Gaza, most of whom were born in that concentration camp, mm -hmm. they were born into it. Does it really shock you that they would do something desperate to break free of that concentration camp? And who dare criticize whatever tactics mm -hmm. they employ? I don't know what I would do if I had been born into a concentration camp and spent 20 years of my life there. Who are the young people who join Hamas? If they were given an opportunity in life, if they were given a chance, if they were able to breathe, I don't know if they would have joined Hamas. Most of these young people are at the point where they're willing to just sacrifice their life because the situation is so hopeless. They have no other options. They have no other choices. And this is the question that we must constantly ask ourselves. What were their options? Periodically, Israel launches these brutal criminal assaults on Gaza. Medical personnel were targeted, journalists were targeted, people with disabilities were targeted. Is it really a shock that it deteriorated and ultimately failed in its goals, in its objectives, to end that brutal, inhuman blockade of Gaza? Anyway, welcome to the State Department. I think we have some interns in the back. Welcome. Uh, good to see you in this... Uh, Exercise and transparency and democracy. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was. I, didn't mean to bring I thought it was an exercise, of, an exercise in spin and obfuscation. <laughs> All right, can you tell us my last briefing before vacation? Yeah. Yeah.